You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 579. Hello. You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door. I'm Captain Jeff, your host, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show was recorded on the second day of August, 2023. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a door getting ripped off, a 787. Um, let's see, a dropped iPad is implicated in a fatal Chinook helicopter accident. And a couple of uh, fatal crashes at Oshkosh. So, get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in their upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. Flight 579 is ready for pushback. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. Uh, somewhere in the top 100 aviation podcasts out there. <laughs> and uh, we talk about aviation news and answer your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, an almost retired pilot at a major legacy airline based in the United States of America. And joining me from her lakeside studio in South, a doctor, skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper is Dr. Steph. Hey, Captain Jeff. It is so good to see you. I feel like I haven't seen you on the show for a while, but in person a couple times briefly recently. Yeah. So we'll get into that more later on. Good we to be back. Will. Going through some news and feedback with you. We should be uh, doing that very shortly. We're just going to mention that... Uh, just uh, Steph and I here for part one, and we're going to do a two-parter, and hopefully we'll be joined by Captain Nick and maybe uh, producer Liz and and hopefully uh, Camacho Man as well. So we'll see. So uh, we're planning to do that on Saturday morning for part two. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and start uh, talking about some aviation news. All right, let's start with the first news item. A door ripped off an American Airlines 787 as boarding bridge collapses at Dublin, uh, Dublin, Ireland. And uh, let's see, was uh, the door was ripped clean off its hinges. Yeehaw! It just sounds funny the way they said that. Mm -hmm. uh, after an apparent accident involving a jet bridge at Dublin International Airport, the jet bridge which leads to Terminal 2 at Dublin Airport has been attached to what is often referred to as D2L of the, uh, I think we just call it 2L, not D2L, um, the second left door of the 787-8 aircraft, which simply means the second door on the left-hand side of the aircraft. <sighs> Thankfully, mm. 
there were no passengers on, or I should be looking at uh, the slides and uh, maybe selecting another. Nope, that's just one we have. Okay. Thankfully, there were no passengers or crew on board the plane when the jet bridge suffered some form of failure and suddenly dropped, taking the door with it. Seven-year-old aircraft, which had arrived in Dublin from Chicago at 11.30 a.m. on Sunday and was due to depart a little more than two hours later for Philadelphia, will likely remain on the ground for several days, at least while it undergoes repairs. Perhaps unsurprisingly, American Airlines was forced to cancel. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's. <laughs> it seems fine to me. Just put some feed tape around that door and yeah. see what happens. We'll just use Pretty another great. door. Yeah. <laughs> Plug up that Don't hole. Don't you have a spare? Yeah. Jeez. Uh, so they had it definitely didn't cause any adjacent damage. I'm sure just the door off the hinges. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe there was any other adjacent damage. I'm trying to scan through this article here. It's hard to tell from the pictures. Yeah. I can't tell either. And then of course they, they like to do this. They'll, they'll, you know, talk about other incidents that were kind of similar, but, uh, we don't care. So that's it. Not the first time it's happened apparently. Nope. Um, good point. Good point. All right. Uh, let's move on to the uh, next item, uh, which is uh, from Paddle Your Own Canoe. I think I didn't mention that the first one was also from Paddle Your Own Canoe. Emergency slide from United, <laughs> United Airlines Boeing 767 lands in backyard of Chicago home after falling from jetliner. Now, we did talk about this uh, shortly after it happened. And, or maybe we didn't, maybe I just heard uh, people talking about this on other shows. <laughs> well, just in case we haven't talked about it, an emergency slide from uh, 767 fell out of the sky, fell into the backyard of a Chicago home uh, when they were on final approach to O'Hare International Airport. And now the FAA is investigating how the emergency slide became detached from the 24-year-old aircraft in the final minutes of Flight 12, which had just flown across the Atlantic from Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, Patrick Devitt, a resident in the building where the emergency slide fell, told local media that he heard a loud boom when the emergency slide hit the side of his home. The roof was slightly damaged by the slide, but no one was injured by the falling debris. 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 Debris, the, uh, I think. Is, uh, what, is that what they said? Deb- Debris? Deb- de- yeah. Yeah. Debris. Debris. Yeah. De- debris. Yeah, but we debris. call it Debris. I don't even know what we call it anymore, actually. The emergency slide fell to the side of the building, but residents dragged the hefty debris into the street where it was inspected by law enforcement and FAA investigators. Um, the emergency slide had not inflated when it detached from the aircraft. It probably would have been a softer, lighter touchdown. Had it actually inflated? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, it was still bundled up within its pack. Emergency, emergency slide packs are normally attached to the inside of the cabin door and therefore can't just fall from the sky because the door is sealed shut. The Boeing 767, however, has overwing emergency exits where the slide pack is built into the side of the aircraft fuselage. In the event of a malfunction, it's possible for the pack to become detached in flight. In fact, although rare, similar incidents aren't unheard of. In December 2019, a slide pack fell from a Delta-operated Boeing 767 in a very similar circumstance on its final approach to Boston Logan Airport. Um, ben in our live audience uh, says that they they found the slide and then promptly put it for, up for sale on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Huh. Probably logical, yeah. sensible. Actually, that's a good idea. All right. Um, you want to go ahead and just, uh, oh, 
let's let's skip to the Oshkosh stuff. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, the first one now. Uh, both Steph, you know, Steph alluded to it in the intro that we saw each other there at Oshkosh briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it sounds to me like Air Venture with all the air shows and demonstrations and everything and all the, I don't know, more than 10,000. I'm not sure what the number is this year, how many uh, aircraft actually flew in. But I think in previous years, it's like over 10,000. So lots it's and lots lot, yeah. of airplanes. Yeah. And uh, and I, as far as I know, there weren't any really bad incidents or It seems accidents. like there's always something minor. You know, someone has a, like strikes a wingtip on landing or has mm-hmm. a gear failure or something. But um, I don't recall, at least in recent years, there being any significant incidents and certainly no fatalities. No, and then for two to happen on the same day, these were on Saturday on the Saturday. Right, the twenty ninth. Um, uh, the I think the official end is what Sunday, the Sunday thirtieth, uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so the sec almost the last day of the uh, more than week long air show um, or week long whatever. Um, yeah, a couple of uh, fatal accidents, including this one. This was an AT six D AT six D crash. Uh, this aircraft was um, November 49961, operated by Texas Warbirds um, LLC. And uh, there were two uh, aboard. Uh, it was the, um, the, the pilot. Uh, and then uh, somebody sitting in the back seat uh, was, who was not a pilot. It was just a friend, I think, of the family. Um, let's see. I think I have more information here somewhere if I scroll down. Oh, I should be doing slides. Uh, let me. Um, oh, I didn't show any of the slides of oh, the slide off of the seven six seven. Oh well, sorry. We just yeah. You know, seven six seven seven eight seven. Whatever journalists whatever. wouldn't even come that close. All the so we did better the same, than, right? than that. That's right. Okay, is that showing up the um, picture of the yes T six? Okay. That. Uh, Devin Riley, daughter of NFL star Bruce Colley, was one of the four people killed in the two separate crashes. Uh, f- let's see. Uh, the, uh, shortly after 9 a.m., multiple calls reported a plane that uh, had crashed into Lake Winnebago. Mr. Colley's daughter, Devin Riley, 30, was flying the plane, and Zach Coley Marano, 20, was a passenger. Um Let's see. A GoFundMe for Riley described Coley Murano as a family friend passenger. Please pray for our family and weep with us for our losing her for a season, but rejoice in the promise of the new heaven and the new earth. We appreciate your support, the fundraiser said. Uh, the two-time Super Bowl champion, uh, her father, posted a tribute on Facebook. Uh, quote, when you have multiple children, you have multiple choices. Our Devin Riley has always chosen aviation. God is so cool to give her a family that is all aviation. I guess the Riley family. Thank you, Riley's, for being the family that she was destined for. So proud. Uh, Mr. Colley played as an offensive lineman for the Fidel, uh, Fidel? Phil- Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, Devin was his oldest child. Um, so this uh, incident... Let me uh, put another slide up. Here's another uh, picture of the of the AT6 uh, there at Oshkosh. There's a 
picture of the front portion of the airplane, and here's one in flight. Looks like the gear is uh, just being retracted. And now I'm going to put a little um, depiction of the flight path that took off from, um, now I can't think of the name of the field, Whitman Field in uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, uh, taking off to the west initially, climbed out to the north, and then cut over the north side of Oshkosh and headed out toward Lake Winnebago. And the plot, I think this is from Flight Radar 24, um, I'll try to make it uh, a little bit larger. ADS, it's it's from ADSB. Exchange. Oh, is it from ADSB Exchange? Yeah. Thanks. Uh, show the it shows the path. It shows the um, climb, the altitude and uh, ground speed of the aircraft. And as it made it over the lake, it started a, a right turn heading toward the southeast. And um, and, and if, if we had a live uh, view of all these different points and fixes, you could see the different rates of climb. Um, and toward the end there, uh, it looked like the rate of climb uh, got pretty significant at one point, I think like 1600 feet per minute and then down to about thousand feet per minute. But anyway, the, the airspeed continues again, this is just ground speed that's depicted on ADSB, not airspeed itself. I mean that, you know, would, uh, the wind patterns would yeah. mm -hmm. have an effect on that. But, uh, Anyway, it looks to most people that know something about the performance of this aircraft uh, stuff that uh, she ended up getting too slow. And uh, witnesses uh, that uh, saw the aircraft out there over the lake said it appeared that it, it stalled and then entered a spin and um, yeah. ended up crashing almost directly vertical, vertically mm -hmm. into, the, into the lake and uh, killing both uh, occupants. Hmm. So, very sad. Yeah, very sad. Now, I'm not sure, you know, I guess they're going to be able to find out, you know, whether the engine was suffering some kind of performance issue or if maybe there was some yeah, kind of Yeah, the question is why she ended up getting so, you know, so slow at that point because they mm -hmm. should have, I mean, just looking at what you have there from ADSB exchange, it looks like um, they had leveled off more or less. Um, but then as they leveled off, it does get slower again, again, just ground speed, not airspeed, but... Yeah. Yeah. Not sure. So um, Juan um, Brown from uh, Blancolirio, uh, the YouTube channel, uh, had a really good uh, video on this very recently uh, talking about the aircraft and um, its performance characteristics and uh, actually had some excerpts from some of the training manuals. Uh, I could think mm -hmm. this airplane was, a, a sp uh, was operated by the Spanish military. Um, and hmm. then somebody purchased it, um, I don't know, 40 years ago or something and, uh, basically didn't do any modifications to it and didn't really fly it much. And then, so, uh, it, there, I don't know if, what all the terms are. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that, uh, Nick Camacho is not here cause he's our war bird expert, but I don't think it was a fully restored, but I don't think it was in bad shape to begin with. But again, I'm just talking out the side of my mouth. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but, um, anyway, um, the manual that, and I'll put a link in the show notes, uh, for the, uh, Blancolirio channel and his report on this and how the manual said that, like, uh, if you go up to purposely practice stalls and spins, you want to 
be at least 10,000 feet above the ground. Um, and mm, they were okay. only... Because it has pretty poor uh, recovery characteristics. I guess, yeah. And you yeah, have to be that's pretty, pretty high for... And it wasn't, and uh, you know, very much unlike a lot of general aviation aircraft. Um, and I wouldn't call this general aviation. I would call this a military aircraft, military mm -hmm. trainer. Um, th they almost purposely design it so that you can't just let go of the controls and the thing will just come out of a stall or spin on its own. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of a lot of light aircraft will, but this... Yeah, like a, a 172 is, you know, kind of famous for, you know, if you don't know how to recover from the spin, just let go of everything and it will very likely do it for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And apparently this, you have, just like the T-37 uh, trainer, Juan and I both um, were instructors on that. Uh, you have to be very deliberate um, right. with your actions. And for, for the record, I do want to state that is not proper spin recover, recovery. Please don't do that. Just oh, yeah, yeah. Just to let go yeah. of everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not the recommended. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're, they're, those kind of airplanes are a little bit more stable, I think, sure. uh, in general. Yeah. Just more anyway. favorable recovery characteristics, you know. Right. Yeah. So, um, sadly, um, I, I guess also Juan talks about the fact that uh, she was relatively new to this airplane and uh, only had about 200 hours on it. And she had just soloed pretty recently on it hmm. and um, maybe wasn't uh, completely comfortable with it. I'm not sure. I'm sure we're going to find out more as the yeah. uh, NTSB investigates. Well, Sad. We'll definitely um, await that information and um, share it when we have it. Yep. And that was, uh, uh, as I said, about nine something in the morning on Saturday like morning. Just after, just after nine o'clock in the morning. Okay. Well, the, uh, the next incident uh, happened around uh, just before noon, I believe. I, I was already, uh, or right around noon, something like that. I was already in my car uh, heading uh, south from Oshkosh, heading home. And uh, I'm trying to find, where's Evernote? Here we go. Um, this is also from the Aviation Safety Network. Um, an ELA Aviation ELA-10 Eclipse and a Rotorway Exec, one, exec 162F, which is this one, uh, small uh, helicopter light helicopter, uh, ended up uh, colliding midair at Oshkosh-Whitman Field. Um, and then the, uh, this, nope, the, uh, the previous one, the um, gyrocopter, uh, ended up falling down on top of a, uh, an innocent a bystander, yeah. a Mooney, this one right here, mm. uh, that was just parked. Uh, fortunately, nobody was in it. And, uh, and and that may have may have saved the lives of the two that were in the gyrocopter because mm. they both lived and uh, they were in, in serious they were injured in serious condition uh, but they uh, are are th thought to um, be able to survive this um, but the occupants of the uh, helicopter uh, were uh, were killed on impact and uh, mm. we don't really have as far as I know. Um, I looked for some updates on this, but again, the NTSB isn't going to be investigating this and not sure exactly why they collided in flight, but I can tell you, <laughs> and, and, uh, Steph can back me up here when you're at Oshkosh at air venture, I mean, every which way you look, 
you know, this way, that way, up, down. I mean, there are helicopters constantly flying around in patterns and lightweight mm-hmm. aircraft and, you know, ultralights and, and par- you know, motor glider parachute things. And, and parachutes and things. Yeah. There, I mean, there's, there's a lot of aircraft in the air, you know, um, there's a lot of controllers there who are working very diligently to make sure that everyone stays safe. Um, but it's at the end of the day, it's a lot going on in a relatively small space. Um, you know, and it's, it's, unfortunate and it's it's i would say actually very fortunate that it is such a well orchestrated event because these events actually are very rare and uncommon like we were saying at the start of talking about these incidents um we can't recall ever or at least within the past several years there being such a serious incident yep so i could be wrong on that but there's just nothing comes to mind no i yeah to me either uh, now, I don't have a lot of it. I, I'm not one of those people that have been to uh, Oshkosh for 30 years in a row, like Glenn Otto, <laughs> uh, who, who I got to uh, visit with at the uh, Brown Arch on uh, Thursday, um, late morning, about noontime. And uh, yeah, he, that blew me away when he said that this was his 30th um, you know, attendance at uh, Oshkosh. And I went, wow, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Oh, yeah. But. I've only been, this is only the third time really for me. And, uh, so I don't, you know, I'm not really sure what the, what the crash record track record is at, uh, air venture every year. But sadly, um, and, you know, Saturday, that last Saturday and Sunday is a, is big for the general public, right. To come and right. look at the air shows. Yeah. And locals and, and yeah. whatnot come up on the weekend. Um, That's never a good, good look when, no. uh, no. Airplanes crash and people die. Oh, anyway, I don't know what else to say about that. Hopefully, we'll get some more information about what happened, why they ended up colliding. And um, I guess we can maybe just quickly cover. Oh, you know what we should do? Let's go down to mm-hmm. the one for specifically for you, Miss Plummer. Oh, yes. That. Uh, uh... <laughs> And uh, that go was ahead. put in here for me. Yes, mm-hmm. take you can you may take over now. Uh, the uh, the okay. news reporting. Let me see here. Let me. I don't think we have any any slides for that. So let me get rid. No, of this. I don't think there's anything. They have some stock photos in here, which don't appear to be um, okay. Specific to the article. Um, so this is also from I believe from Paddle Your Own Canoe, mm. and. Uh, it's the headline is European court rules that airlines must pay compensation for providing inadequate first aid. Uh, Europe's top court has ruled that airlines should be held liable if they provide inadequate first aid following an accident that injures a passenger during a flight. The case was referred to Europe's court of justice by an Austrian court, which was seeking clarity over whether first aid provided by cabin crew could form part of an accident. In this case, after a passenger was scalded by hot coffee. Under Article 17 of the Montreal Convention, airlines are liable for most injuries sustained by passengers following an in-flight accident or during boarding or and uh, disembarking. There are only very limited exceptions that airlines can use in their defense, and passengers can win big payouts. The lawsuit that the Court of Justice was asked to rule on was originally brought by an Austrian Airlines passenger who was injured when a jug of hot coffee accidentally fell on him from a catering trolley and scalded him. 
The cabin crew tended to the injured passenger, but he sued, arguing that the carrier should be held accountable and pay damages for aggravated injuries that were sustained as a result of inadequate first aid that was provided. The Court of Justice said on Thursday that the act of providing first aid could indeed form part of the accident, and therefore airlines could be held liable for providing deficient in-flight medical assistance. Passengers may be able to argue that inadequate first aid aggravated their injuries, which in turn could result in bigger in a bigger compensation payout. The Montreal Convention limits compensation to one hundred twenty eight thousand eight hundred twenty one. It's a very uh, <laughs> specific number. <laughs> it's a very specific number. What's the word? What's the um, anagram or like when it's uh, forwards and backwards the same numbers? One two eight eight two one. I forgot what that's called. A pan- pan- yeah. pantogram, I think, or mm, no, pentagram. Pentagram. No, 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 that's, that's a five star thing. <laughs> Come that's on. Okay, not. Neil Landworm uh, or Ben uh, in so our someone help live us out audience. here. We, we struggle with Please tell words us what and it is that we're talking about. Anyway, it's one hundred twenty-eight thousand eight hundred twenty-one special drawing rights, which is a made-up currency anyway, that is currently equivalent to around one hundred seventy-one thousand dollars. Accidents on board an air. <laughs> Thank you. Palindrome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, we are not. Well, good I had the right le- the first letter. I, I started my words started I had with a it P. Totally wrong. I couldn't think of what it was. Uh, <laughs> anyway, accidents on board an aircraft. Uh, the strict liability of airlines under, under the um, wait. Let me read that again. Accidents on board an aircraft. The strict liability of airlines under the Montreal Convention extends to inadequate first aid administered on board an aircraft. Mm, there's some more to this. Let me see if any of it's. Uh, it goes on for quite a long time. Um, sounds like basically if you can argue that your injuries were actually made worse by poorly performed first aid, then you are uh, potentially entitled to a larger uh, compensation. And, and who is responsible for paying the compensation? The, the airline? airline? The airline. So, so if somebody like, let's say, Dr. Steph got involved with providing first aid or care, would it wouldn't come to whoever was providing the care it falls to the airline for failing to provide sufficient care we had a little discussion about this beforehand but (laughs) i'll be honest i didn't read the whole article so i wasn't sure where it was going with it but um uh you know i still think that's kind of a, a tricky thing you know um again what we were kind of discussing before we started recording is that it you're on an airliner you're on a form of transportation um yes there can be provisions for providing first Wait, aid for hospital? common things this is not a hospital oh. right and you're largely relying on people who are um so either employees who have some basic training in first aid so i you know basic training can be things like apply a bandage um maybe put some, in this case you know you have a small burn or a, a large burn put some ointment on it to so that it's not sticking to things or something um you know in the case of someone having a, a cardiac arrest um it, providing an aed which is easy to use and provide training to your uh your cabin crew that's appropriate i think but there's always going to be the potential for something to happen that hasn't been thought of or happened before. That's kind of the nature of an accident. Um, (laughs) And whether it's something that is attributed to um, something happening as a course of the flight. So say all this, there was some clearer turbulence, didn't know it was going to happen. You get coffee spilt on you or something falls on you, or 
you know, I can think of a whole bunch of different things. There could be um, injuries sustained that would um, that would be outside of the realm of, you know, employees who have some basic training or anyone who might actually be on the airplane. So there, maybe there isn't a doctor on the airplane. It's possible. You know, that's just kind of a statistically it's likely perhaps, but it's not a given. Um, so I think that's a slippery slope. I think it's a little bit tricky. It sounds like they do have limitation in place for how much could be awarded, whatever that uh, fake currency um, palindromic dollar amount or palindromic mm-hmm. amount is. Um, which is good that there's a limit and it's not just like run away, you know, tens of millions of dollars for something small-ish. But I don't know. I have mixed feelings. What do you think, Jeff? My question here is regarding the actual, I mean, I don't understand the European Parliament thing and if they even have any authority or any power to force things you know, from the various member countries to do or implement. Um, Sounds like they do. Well, I, I think that they feel like they do, but I'm not sure they do. Anyway, um, I'm just uh, kind of curious about that. But I'm wondering if this is going to have the effect of, um, you know, you're traveling on vacation on one of these airplanes and, well, actually, you wouldn't be liable. It would be the airline. I don't know what the airline is going to do with this. They're going to encourage uh, doctors and and uh, medical personnel maybe not to volunteer. <laughs> and Well, so you can um, have unintended negative consequences of, yeah. of things. But then they would just turn around and say, well, that was also negligent and you're still yeah. liable to pay the stuff. Damned if you do if you, and damned if you, if you, yeah, if you don't. Yeah, if you make no attempt, you're liable in one way and that might actually be worse. Maybe they come up yeah. with a higher dollar amount for that. Um, but if you do attempt it, you know, and, oh, in the course of doing so, Something actually was made worse. You put the wrong type of bandage on a, a a specific type of wound, and it you know takes longer to heal. Which I don't know. You're on a flight that lasts. I mean, if there's a significant injury, you could make the case that maybe they should have diverted so that they could get attention sooner rather than later. That would be the logical thing to do. I can't think of too many things that are going to be aggravated by inappropriate first aid in that short of a period of time. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, well, I mean, I uh, you're the expert here, but uh, yeah, I just don't. I don't know if this is a a, a good thing or not. But I guess we'll I, see. What happens. Yeah, I, I said my feelings are mixed, but um, yeah. they lean strongly towards I don't. Uh, don't think I, so. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, uh, we're only doing part one, which, uh, and we want to kind of cover a little bit of feedback, and we definitely want to cover uh, getting to know us since the last time we were together, Steph. So, what do you think about us uh, moving to that? Let's do it. All right. Getting to know you, getting to, yeah, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Sorry, gonna leave you a, hanging. It's on a that nice one. little tune that I'm not going to sing with today, and uh, so it's the time of the show where we get together and uh, find out what what we've been up to. And uh, let's see, um, Steph, I I think that you mm-hmm. haven't been on the show longer than I. It's been longer since you've been on the show. Yeah, but I don't know when, so I don't, I don't know how far back to, <laughs> and I can't remember that far back anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, what do you, if you think, think hard, can you think of anything in your relatively recent past that you want to share with uh, mm-hmm. our listeners? Well, I, you know, um, I'm just taking, so I want to say that maybe I was on the show at least at some point during this, but I, um, had quite a bit of family in town early in the month. So that was mm-hmm. nice. I got to see, um, both of my brothers came for visits at different times. Um, I think I did talk about it maybe where my little brother got his skydiving yeah, license. Yeah, you so did. we were able last to, time you were to jump to... together. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the following week, my other brother and his girlfriend came to visit and then another friend came in from out of town to visit. So, um, it's wonderful. I love having friends and family visit, and I would encourage, um, uh, always encourage my family and friends to do so. But man, I'll tell you what, it makes the time go by really fast because you're always <laughs> doing stuff. And then it's like, you, you feel like you're not caught up in other areas of your life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it was great. It was really good to, to see all of them to catch up. Um, we were able to do some, some fun, interesting things. We went to a concert. Um, we spent some time on the lake, um, shared some good meals. So I'm just, I have to look back through my, um, my photos here to remind me where mm-hmm. I was and what I was doing. And I'm kind of just scrolling. Um, and then in the, um, the last couple of weeks here, um, Captain Jeff, you and I have actually had some overlap in our, uh, our, um, outings and meetups and activities and things. So this was how long ago now? Two weeks? Not yeah. quite. Um, yeah. When was it? It wasn't that long. It was July 23rd. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, so a couple weeks ago. we put a photo up on the screen if you are watching the video of this, but it is myself, Captain Jeff, and then that is Matt from the, oh my gosh, the A320 podcast. Mm-hmm. I feel like I always get the name wrong. And um, Paul from... Since, from no, Youngstown or, area? From Youngstown. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yep. And Matt's uh, lovely... F- yeah, his, yeah, exactly. His family, lovely family and daughters um, and wife. And um, he was in the Atlanta area, so we all got together just to catch up and and talk airplanes, and um, that was a really nice night. I'm glad I was able to get down there for the evening. Yeah, I mean, Um, Steph flew, she got on an airplane, paid for an airline ticket, round trip, came all the way over from uh, Charlotte to Atlanta, and then flew home that night, or the... uh Or is it next? In the next morning, morning actually. Yeah. yeah. It's just anyway, easier. That was really nice. Uh, I just figured that. it would be uh, that way I wouldn't be rushing to get to back to yeah. the airport. Um, it was a neat little place uh, right now. Oh, we were, he had planned to uh, hold the meetup at the 57th Fighter Group. Yes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we received this panicked communication from him. Oh, I think, or maybe, were you the one that figured that out, stuff, or did uh, No, he, he messaged me that morning. I was actually, okay. um, what was I doing? Um, I think he sent me an email. I think I was in the middle, I was in the middle of, of like catching up from having had family and friends in town. Uh-huh. So I was like resetting the guest room and doing all my laundry and stuff and uh, trying to think what I needed for the evening and make sure I had uh, clothing packed for work the next day because I was leaving Atlanta in the morning and going straight to my office. And I got a message and it said something like, Meetup disaster. Hashtag meetup disaster. Yeah. <laughs> I said, uh-oh. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, no, did he not make it to Atlanta? You know, all kinds of things. Um, but it turns out that the restaurant we were going to go to at the, um, what's the name of the? 50, uh, PD, PDK. Uh, PDK. Uh, the Tree Airport. Uh, yeah. Little, yeah. Um, on their website, it shows that their Sunday hours are actually quite late, I think, mm-hmm. to like 8 o'clock or something. So we thought mm-hmm. we'd get there at 6 o'clock. Turns out they actually close at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So that wasn't going to work not not for um, a six o'clock uh, start time. not for a six o'clock start time <laughs> um 
So, you know, he kind of scrambled a little bit and said, oh, there's this place across the street, basically. Um, looks nice. Seems like they're open. Give them a call. Made sure that we could potentially bring a, we weren't sure how many people might show up. So mm -hmm. some indeterminate number of guests to hang out for a while. And they're like, yep, come on over. Um, and it actually, it, it ended up being really lovely. Um, some good food, barbecue type stuff. Lots of tasty beers on draft. And um, yeah, small, small group, but um, quite a lot of fun to catch up with everyone. And mm -hmm. Matt had lots of Airbus swag for us. So this picture is yes. uh, Captain, Captain Jeff with his Airbus A320 notebook. Yeah, because uh, mm -hmm. Matt, one of the things he does is instructs, uh, I mean, his whole podcast is about learning about the A320 and various mm -hmm. systems and operations, procedures, that kind of thing. And so, uh, as Steph mentioned, he brought a lot of swag. Um, still haven't been able to get the business cards yet in the chief pilot office uh, back <laughs> me, but I still have a bunch of these. And he gave us several little uh, uh, notepads. Notepads and pens, and I've and got pens, some lanyards. And and mine are all downstairs. I'm not very good at this. Uh, flight path yep. training. I think that's his business. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, he gets paid to instruct people you've got a nice a320 uh sticker. sticker but the best thing the best thing that i got was this flag <laughs> it says airbus on it and guess mm -hmm. what this is my new bs flag that i'm gonna fly <laughs> anytime i sense there's some bs going on in our show BS. yeah so yeah. it says airbus on it <laughs> sorry all you Airbus people, we, I love you. You're all great people. Uh, you know people. what? I hope, especially if the BS comes from Captain Nick, you can wave yeah. it at him. <laughs> exactly. That's really mainly why I was so yes. pleased to, to see that item. So thanks, Matt, for bringing all the uh, all the swag and goodies and stuff. So nice. You have such a wonderful family. Uh, your wife is great, and your your daughters are just precious and I, I they were really, so enjoyable to talk to you know holly um, was one of them and what do you remember the name of the the youngest one i oh can't gosh, remember her name but uh, holly was the yeah. older daughter uh, mm -mm. and i can't if you hadn't I just mean, put me on the spot and asked me i know I i'm sorry um, i'm sorry matt i'm terrible with names but i was having all um, kinds of fun uh just play you know playing around joking around with uh, the youngest daughter yeah she was so cute. i i'm super always super impressed when kids aren't just like stuck in their ipads and their phones mm -hmm. and they were very you know, interactive, telling us all about the places they'd seen and been around the U.S. and playing some uh, some card games and stuff. And um, very, That's good parenting. very nice to talk to. That's what that yeah. is, really. Yeah. And it's and refreshing. being exposed to social situations uh, at a young age and engaging mm -hmm. and not, as you said, Steph, like just being in their own little world and you know looking at an iPad or a or a phone or something. So, mm -hmm. Matt, you did a good well job. Done. Or you've been you so far you've done a great job and I'm sure it's gonna, you know, be the same throughout their lives. So anyway, that was great that I uh, got a chance to uh, see Steph and also Matt and his family and Paul. Paul drove all the way down from Ohio and uh, he just recently retired at fifty three years old. He was working I'm at jealous. a nuclear power plant. Yes, I am. And uh, <laughs> but you know, soon I'll be joining the ranks. I was of saying the I'm jealous. Oh, you're jealous. I'm also yeah. jealous, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not, you know, quite that age yet, but that might right. be a stretch for me. So. You're not that old? Hmm. Not yet. Um, I'm, I'm just getting kidding. there. I know you're there. not. You're, just a little you're bit away. Not, you're not that old at all. 
anyway, um, so it was nice uh, when Paul drove down. Um, he when he came into town the night before this meetup, um, I met Paul at a, um, a local uh, tavern, Marlowe's Tavern location, not the Roswell location, but one uh, more aligned with the highway that he was coming in on. And we had a nice meal there and a nice talk. And then uh, he uh, he got up early the next day. He brought his bike down with him and did the uh, Silver Comet Trail, which is a oh nice uh, a, an abandoned railroad um, mm-hmm. uh, bed. I've done line. some running on it. It's oh, yeah, okay. it's really nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I have not yet actually been on it. I'd, I'd like to do that sometime soon. Um, but, uh, it, it starts in Marietta, Georgia, not far from, uh, where, uh, uh, Captain Dana, uh, lives and then it heads, uh, to the West and makes, it goes all the way to Anniston, Alabama, crosses the Alabama border into the little mountain mountainous area of Northern Alabama, uh, just shy of, uh, Birmingham area. So that's cool. And then, uh, he ended up, uh, arriving at, St. Peter Chanel, the church that I sing at on the weekends, and oh, wow. uh, he attended the twelve fifteen mass, and um, so that was nice seeing him there. And then um, we um, ended up uh, getting back together. I'm not sure what he did in between mass and oh, never mind. He went over we, to the airport, didn't he? Well, yeah, no, hang, no, hang on. No, we um, okay. Uh, actually, after that mass, um, Paul and myself and my choir director Jane went to lunch at a Vietnamese mm-hmm. restaurant uh, and the family that owns and operates the Vietnamese place also are, are members of the uh, uh, St. Peter Chanel Catholic Church as well. So it was nice. We had a nice leisurely, nice talk and leisurely lunch and we basically burned up all the time and it was time for uh, Jane and I to go back to the church and actually start rehearsal for the uh, the five o'clock uh, more contemporary mass. So anyway, it was a fun-filled day and then I got to see Paul again and Steph and Matt and his family uh, at what was the name of that place? The Red Top. Or I don't like remember. That? I'm terrible with. I, I already told you I'm terrible with names. I have no idea where we were. I don't. Do you remember my uh, name? Who are you? <laughs> Sorry. I think it was called the Red Top or something like that. No. Oh. Uh, I thought I'm, they had like a big red awning uh, out front. Uh, stand by. I'll I'll look it up here. Yeah, that's uh, right. It doesn't oh, matter. Uh, but I've got it. Like right. <laughs> yeah. Come on, ready for the bell. Uh, 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 oh, no. <laughs> fail. <laughs> you had your finger on that one first. I know it. <laughs> it was You're like just ready to ready to. Uh, mm, mm, the problem is I have too many text messages. Uh, I can figure uh, that. I'll just go to, to maps.google.com. Uh, Blue top. Blue top. Blue top. Really. Okay. Why did I think it was red? I think they actually had a red <laughs> awning. That's why I thought it was a red top. I red got the top, top part top. right. One and then, top, two top, red top, blue top. And then top. next door, there was a one with a bright yellow uh, thing. Uh-huh. I thought, I, so I, I actually, I, the reason why I'm late is because I had to go next, I was next door at the yellow top. Oh, Bam. So Wait, I got a rim shot here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody out there is just rolling their eyes and groaning at us right now. They're Let's... rolling over in laughter. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, that too. Okay. Uh, so, Steph, what else? Is, yes. Uh, well, I will say after life? that. So, yeah. I um, just related to that real quickly. Um, I've definitely taken that 5:15 a.m. flight back to Charlotte 
mm-hmm. numerous times after Atlanta meetups, adventures, whatnot. Um, and usually it's fine because um, it's not a long flight if we push back on time and leave on time and don't run into any snags. And that was exactly what happened um, oh, no. the next Monday morning. Um, we pushed back on time, short taxi to the runway, took off, um, landed in Charlotte. And uh, we actually, could, if you were watching the video just now, you could see from the photo that it was a lovely evening in Atlanta on Sunday night. It was not a lovely evening in Charlotte on Sunday night. They had lots of big thunderstorms, um, lots of flight cancellations, lots of aircraft out of position. And apparently they just left all these airplanes at the gate overnight. Mm. Nice. So there were no open gates when we got there. Mm. And apparently no plan to figure out how to get any gates open, which our captain was clearly very unimpressed by. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of PAs um, sharing his dissatisfaction. Lack of, his dissatisfaction with the um, situation in Charlotte. I've made several of those kind of PAs in this, <laughs> this kind of scenario. It is yes. very frustrating. Yes. We sat for thirty minutes before we had a gate, and then I just barely made it to work on time. So mm. that was fun. Uh, I think I walked in the door at the time I was supposed to start seeing my first patient, but it worked out. It was that good. is so frustrating uh, for passengers. I was planning to get food and I didn't have time yeah. for food. So I had to like DoorDash McDonald's. My, my theory is that if you're up there as a passenger and we end up holding for like a half an hour mm-hmm. and then we're, so we're obviously running late. We land mm-hmm. and go immediately to the gate after touchdown. People aren't quite so upset. They're not that. as upset. Because they're in the air. A lot of them aren't paying attention to the fact that you're holding either. They're going, wow, it's kind of yeah. taking a long time. True. But, but mm. you you arrive early and then, you know, you're sitting on the ground. And obviously you've made it to the airport, but there are no gates. And that's what really kind of irks yeah. people. Yeah. Um, well, and it wasn't that we just didn't have a gate. They had apparently no idea what gate they could put us at. They were just all. Wait a minute, that can't be right, Steph. I mean, Charlotte, Charlotte's ramp control, ramp control are the best. (laughs) We love our ramp control. They are horrible. (laughs) The worst in the whole system. I'm sorry, but they are the worst. Uh, At least in my experience. I mean, I love Charlotte. I love the Charlotte people, but I cannot stand flying into that airport. <laughs> it's so frustrating. I like, I, you know, I I like the controllers that I deal with. They're not ramp control. They're the you know air traffic controllers. Oh yeah, the and, air traffic controllers yeah. are great. Um, they're fantastic. And, but ramp uh, control is a different beast, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. So, um, so we're gonna fast forward just a little bit. This was yeah. this past weekend, um, Friday night and Saturday night. Um, uh, there's a a big fund cancer fundraising event that happens in Charlotte on a yearly basis at the end of July um, has a funny name. It's called the 24 hours of booty. Mm, um, that's a lot name, of booty. Jeff was, Jeff was getting all kinds of weird <laughs> ideas when I was. I'm thinking I want to go to that 24 uh, hours of booty. <laughs> so, um, I was like, you're, you're going to be good. disappointed by these pictures that I send because they are family friendly and show appropriate. Um, um. It's called, well, I will say the reason it got that name is because the, it's a, uh, just a 24 hour group, usually team kind of cycling, walking, running, get out there, put miles in. There's no, um, it's kind of do as much as you want or as little as you want. But the idea is that you've raised funds to donate to, um, 
a couple of their charities that are all uh, surrounding either um, cancer care, cancer research, uh, support for families um, who are dealing with cancer. Um, so our work uh, group had a, a team. We actually, I think we had the largest team this year. We had 33 people. Um, but there were probably only actually the four of us in this picture. The guy in the funny hat was not actually on our team. Um, he was a different team, but he had the bicycle with beer. Um, uh, and he had <laughs> he a said, funny hat. And he had a funny hat. He's actually one of the um, uh, co-owners of a local brewery. So it was nice to have him out was there. But he was, uh, no, Sugar Creek. Oh, okay. So, um, but he had a cooler attached to the back of his three-wheeled bicycle. Nice. And he had a little QR code. So if you wanted a beer, you had to donate to him. I was like, ha, genius. Yeah. So, uh, we did support his uh, his team as well. We had some beers, as you can see. But nice. um, anyway, to get back to what the event is, it's this not quite three-mile loop in a, a, uh, a very nice neighborhood of Charlotte. Um, lots of kind of, uh, I won't even say McMansions. There's some very large houses, very old neighborhood, lots of big tree line, uh, big trees, tree-lined streets, um, just a nice place to to be in charlotte but this loop um even not during this event is commonly used by cyclists um and because it's in kind of a, a ritzy area um it became known as the booty loop because uh from what i heard people out there are always dressed you know really in their oh, fancy I was thinking maybe like attire booty. and gear and no 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 just okay. they're always kind of you know you go to the gym and you see the people who have their like fancy gym attire that's kind of what happens there but Bougie, booty. also pretty legit. Bougie, bougie, bougie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this event started. It uses the booty loop, so it's the twenty four hours of booty. Um, you can be out on the course as much or as little as you want during those twenty four hours. Commonly, there's a big group that rides the first lap and the last lap all together. Um, I it, I thought it would be a good way for me to get out there and um, get my bike on the road because I commonly only use it on the trainer. But I do have some uh, triathlons or a triathlon coming up in the fall where I'm going to have to ride my bike on the road. So it was good training for me, forest training. I ended up doing 88 miles on the bike. Um, and I also ran 16 miles. So a total of like wow. 103 miles in 24 hours. Wow. And actually, um, that picture that's up right now, you can see some of the tents and vendors and things. Um, there's a big grass field. It's right by um, Queens University, if you're familiar with Charlotte. And... Uh, they call it Bootyville, and you can set up your tent and hang out and have kind of a party atmosphere. And um, they did a really nice job. I was really impressed. I'm excited to do it again next year. Um, we, I think our team raised over $40,000 for charity. Um, but there were some really big um, uh, individual fundraisers. They did the, the awards, and I think the biggest individual fundraising amount was like $72,000. Wow. And then there were a couple of kids, like – teenagers and younger who raised over ten thousand dollars each so nice it's a yeah it's a big deal so if i'm in the mood for some booty next year i can head over for this as well gotta come to charlotte <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a party for the neighborhood too they give out mm -hmm. awards for like um you know best uh neighborhood spirit awards and stuff like that so a lot mm -hmm. of the um houses will host parties and they'll have people out there all night long you know cheering people on and offering food and beverages and and whatnot couple houses had like really big sprinklers set up so you could kind of ride to the side of the road and get get hosed down get hosed down yeah. hosed down it was warm uh, it was, it was oh, that's the other we're going back in time now oh, yeah i'm sorry i i had i showed these in <laughs> wrong order that's right um, was there anything else you wanted me to show um, uh no that was it we that was talking about we'll talk about oshkosh yeah okay 
Yeah. So this yeah. photo that we're looking at right now, all these, I'll attempt to uh, make a note with all these uh, photos in it and make it uh, something linkable to see in the show notes. So first um, out, I want to um, shout out to David Abbey because he took a lot of photos and mm -hmm. I definitely stole this one from him because I didn't take any of my own photos while I was there. I know Good. he took photos, uh, a lot of photos of me with other people as well, but this was the only one that I was able to access for some reason. So, Well, I think a couple why. of the photos I have are from Dave Abbey as well. Yes. So but he actually we sent them to me. So yeah, oh. that was awesome. No, I just stole it off of his uh, social media. Okay. I don't think he'll mind. <laughs> okay. I didn't think so either. <laughs> but great photo of, of myself. And it was nice to see Captain Al there. Um, mm -hmm. But there were a lot of people there. And I'm never going to get everybody's names. I but, know. Um, I, I'm not going to even attempt. Not even going to even try because if you were there, you know who you were. We said hello. Um and I'll actually, yeah. since I've been talking for a minute, do you want to talk yeah, a little bit so, about Oshkosh um, and then I'll chime so in with some more? When did you actually arrive? Was it Thursday morning or Wednesday night? I got there. Whoa, okay. Okay. So if we want to talk about more travel um, snafus, whoa, thanks to the weather. Woes. Woes. Travel woes. Yeah. Um, I got there Wednesday night. My plan was to work a half a day on Wednesday because I really don't, I didn't leave myself a lot of vacation time this year. So I wasn't even sure if I was going to get to Oshkosh. And then I was like, wait, I've got an extra day and a half. I can, I can just make a real quick run up to Oshkosh, try to see a lot of people. Thursday is probably the best day to do that when, you know, before people that got there early start leaving and before people get there later or after people who get there later arrive. Um, we'll talk about um, Glenn Towler's uh, memorial stuff in a minute, but he yep. always did the meetup on Thursday. So lots of people planning to be there for that. Um, so I was like, good, I'll be there for Thursday and I'll try and get up there Wednesday night in time for the night air show because that was such a cool thing to, mm -hmm. to see the... Back in 2019 when we were there. Yep. Um, so um, I actually got out of work early. There had been a lot of storms that morning, um, kind of really between like Chicago and um, that area of Wisconsin along uh, the, was that the eastern side of Wisconsin there, um, up towards Oshkosh. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Chicago got a little bit screwy because of it. So, of course, getting into, uh, flew into Appleton to get to Oshkosh. Um, had to go through Chicago and I got on an earlier flight cause I was like, okay, if there's stuff messed up in Chicago, I'll at least get there and not have to worry about like tight connections or anything. And we, uh, we pushed back from the gate. We taxied to the runway. Um, I'm not sure at what point they found out Chicago was on a, a ground stop, but we basically had to do the taxi of shame back down the runway a little ways and then back off of the runway and then just park and wait until we were able to get a, a clearance time to go to Chicago. Oh, this is, um, you're still in Charlotte. At this still point. in Charlotte. Haven't okay. gotten to, have not gotten to Chicago. Gotcha. Um, but that was fine. I still had plenty of time for the flight that I was supposed to be on up to Appleton. I was like, oh, this is why I get on, got on the earlier flight, you know, because if it happened on the later one, you know, might not have worked out so well. Um, it, we didn't wait that long, maybe 15, 20 minutes. It wasn't terrible. Um, got on our way to Chicago, um, got there and kind of found out that all of the flights to Appleton had gotten messed up as well, um, like really messed up. And if I had known that the 10 a.m. flight was still on the ground, I would have tried to go over and same day flight change to it because I might have been able to bump some other unlucky person who was trying to stand by on it. But I didn't know it was there. I thought I had left already. Um, and then, like, right as the door was closing, I happened to, like, walk past the gate. I was like, oh, wait, what? Oh, shoot. I would have gone on that one. Hmm. Um, so that didn't work out. Um, and meanwhile, I'm getting notifications that my particular flight is getting more and more delayed. It was supposed to leave at 
four or something in the afternoon. Um, and then it's five o'clock and then six o'clock and then seven o'clock. And I'm going, well, the air show starts at eight o'clock. I'm like, well, shoot, probably not going to make it in time for the air show, but it looks like I'll get there tonight. Oh, well, you know, not what I wanted to happen, but I didn't leave myself a lot of travel time. So sometimes these things happen. Um, so I was planning on, um, Having my actually one of my friends who had been visiting me earlier in the week was up there with her family, um, and she had agreed to pick me up from the airport. But what, by the time we finally got on our way, ended up arriving um, right in the middle of the air show, basically like an hour after it started. Um, so I made friends with a couple other people, and we split an Uber because we were all going down to Oshkosh. Um, so that worked out pretty okay. We had a great Uber driver. It was not Uber Frank, unfortunately. Oh. Um, I- but this guy was local. I mean, he knew exactly where he was going, where he needed to take us. You know, good conversation in the the, the truck, actually, on the way down. Um, and got there, actually, with the air show still ongoing. Saw the last um, the last act and then also the fireworks. So And the big giant explosion well. at the very end. Oh, yeah. You can actually yeah, the, feel the, the heat. wall of fire and everything. You can <laughs> like, feel it. And I had been able to walk all the way up to the flight line at that point. Oh, okay. so, yeah. so you got the full and effect was, of that. I was starving at that point, so I went straight to one of the A and W's and grabbed a cheeseburger. And I was standing there eating my cheeseburger, watching the, yeah, the fireworks. Nice. That was pretty good. Um, it worked out good on the location as well because um, our friend Hillel, um, um, what was I gonna say, shower, uh, who's always in your shower. He yeah. was not in your shower that evening. He was camping at Oshkosh. Was uh, nice enough to lend me a spot next to his airplane to pitch my tiny tent next to. Um, so I did that, and um, he was there watching the fireworks as well, and we weren't far away from one another, so met up. Um, he, and it's a good thing because it was dark at that point, and I would have never found his airplane out in the North 40. I would have been wandering around for hours, um, but found Hillel, got set up, um, shared a, a beverage, got a shower, didn't share the shower, um, <laughs> and then uh, got some sleep a little bit, and then um, Thursday. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I was... I didn't think I was going to be going to Oshkosh this year. And I mean, I really thought a very low chance of it because, you know, the first couple of weeks of July uh, playing in uh, the UK and going to the British Grand Prix and having a couple of meetups and uh, having a grand time. And I'm thinking, well, I should probably kind of be an adult and try to get some flying in for the second half of the month. I did. I flew a couple of trips and then um, I thought, you know, and then you had FOMO. Well, yeah, and I was yeah watching all the social media from all the all the folks up there in Oshkosh, and I'm thinking, okay, I want to go see my friends. So I'm I'm almost retired, so I'm so so close. And I thought, yeah, what's a what's another little, you know, a, a, a small monetary month? <laughs> you know, I can I can I can swing that. So um, drove up. And uh, the reason I did that is because uh, I could have flown up, but then uh, the the rental cars I looked into that are like you know three hundred and fifty four hundred dollars a day. Yeah, well, and and I, I did have the thought that when everything was getting delayed in Chicago, I'd just rent a car. Yeah, there were no rental cars, like zero. Uh, Couldn't get one. So. Yeah, so I finally thought, you know, and I and I've mentioned this uh, several times in the show, and it's a good thing because I'm going to be living the full time you know motor coach, uh, motorhome, RV lifestyle which uh, involves a lot of driving, potentially. I love driving. I really do. And I thought, I'm going to do another road trip. That's what I did last year. Uh, of course, I was there for 10 days or nine days or whatever it was. Um, but uh, this time, I thought, I'm just going to take the, basically, it's a day and a half drive. You could probably make it in one, but it's like uh, about 14 hours from Roswell to uh, to Oshkosh. 
And so I decided to, and I was convinced uh, by uh, Liz, producer Liz. Uh, she was watching over me and uh, suggesting, giving me advice that that I not push it too much and uh, that I should stop at about the nine hour point. So I did that and she helped me uh, with looking up some hotels and it was very nice. It was like she was my virtual assistant. And, uh, you know, we talked on the phone and she was texting back and forth and she said, hey, why don't you just uh, shoot for Lafayette, Indiana? So I did, stayed in a courtyard there and then got a good night's sleep. Actually, I was going to try to get up really early. Like I set my alarm for 345 and it went off at 345 and I thought, mm, nope, I'm not not going to do this. <laughs> I went back to sleep and uh, I think I got it. Got up at seven thirty or something like that. So yeah, unfortunately, I think that's when you texted texted me and uh, yeah. Nick Camacho to say not going to make it in time for no, the ten thirty. But you were the yeah. representatives of the APG crew uh, there at the at Glenn's uh, memorial. I, I didn't arrive too too late after the mm. memorial, but I still had to stop and get my media credentials and stuff before I could get in. And anyway, uh, luckily there were still a lot of people kind of hanging around the area and. Um, but yeah, we knew you were you were on your way, and I didn't have a good way to communicate with everybody that was there. So I kind of said, mm, I'll "Wander back over here around like twelve thirty or so, twelve oh, thirty. Okay. So the people who had been at the meetup kind of knew that I'd be hanging back around there again okay. too. Um, and then I knew I could get in touch with you to, to kind of let you know where I was. So excellent, that would work out. Well, that worked out great. And I kind of said, "Hey, you know, if you if you have a chance, if you guys could record something." Um, you know, when, because I'm not going to make it there and, and be able to record anything uh, at the Brown Arch. And so Camacho um, said, yeah, we can do that. And so here is what he uh, and Steph ended up uh, coming up with. So you ready to play that audio? Yeah, it was all okay. Nick, by the way. All Nick. Okay. Hey, Captain Jeff, this is uh, Nick. We're here at Oshkosh. We just finished getting our picture taken in front of the uh, Brown Arch. And we thought we'd uh, send you a quick... Uh, audio recording with some of our um, uh, community members. Yeah, Hillel's over here helping me. Uh, so uh, we're just we'll pass the mic around real quick. Let everyone say uh, who they are and either how they got here or how many times they've been here or something. Uh, you'll probably hear this from me later, but I just got in late last night, ten minutes before the night air show, with my son, which was uh, cutting it a little closer than we wanted to, uh, but we made it. Uh, we'll be here today and tomorrow, and then uh, blasting out of here tomorrow night to uh, get back home so we hopefully don't uh, overwhelm him a little too much. Hey y'all, it is Dr. Steph. Uh, much like Nick, I got here yesterday very late in the evening. Uh, my goal was to be here before the start of the night air show and that did not really work out thanks to some uh, pretty good weather between Chicago and Oshkosh, but made it eventually. Did actually get to see quite a bit of the night air show and especially the fireworks, so that was that was great. Um, I'm actually just here for the day today, but wanted to pick a day where I could hopefully maximize potential to see as many people as possible, and I think that's uh, that's been accomplished. So uh, really great of Hillel to organize having everyone meet here at the Brown Arch at 1030, um, to, to our friends um, Glenn and then also Launchpad. So nice to um, uh, keep them in our thoughts here today. And I will stop uh, yakking on and pass it along. Yeah, let me hold the phone. Hi APJs, it's Captain Al here from the Plane Safety Podcast. It's a little bit warm here in Oshkosh. A lot of people didn't have a lot of sleep last night. So if you hear a few slurred words, it's nothing to do with adult beverages, I can assure you. 
well, maybe maybe a little. Uh, so yeah, we're all here to uh, to commemorate some special people, but life goes on, and uh, there's a huge group of people here, uh, just uh, making good memories, making good friends, and enjoying aeroplanes. So Captain Al from the Plane Safety Podcast, that regular weekly podcast that you can get on your podcatcher, <laughs> weekly the Plane Safety Podcast. Captain Al out. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Dispatch Greg from the Flying in Life podcast that's not very frequent, but we're getting out every now and then. Uh, been out at Oshkosh since uh, Sunday with my wife and just sweltering the heat out here, enjoying the company and uh, soliciting dispatch. So here we are. Thanks for the time and uh, here you go. It's Jen Niffer here, and I am not with a podcast. <laughs> Very refreshing, I'm sure. But I do have a blog, talesfromtheterminal.com. I'm just here seeing airplanes, seeing friends, trying not to melt. Hey, APG, it's Trevor or Tango Bravo, depending on which podcast you listen to. Uh, I came in on Monday with my 13-year-old son, and we're leaving tomorrow uh, from Colorado. And um, yeah, it's really great to see everyone for a long time uh, and to meet new people. So uh, I highly recommend it. Um, Oshkosh is always a blast and it's happy to be here. So, Hi, APGers. It's Vancouver Tim and uh, great to be here. Thanks to Halal for organizing the event here and uh, Logan and David. This is my sixth year and of course it's great airplanes surrounded by uh, all different varieties. But more important than that, it's the people. And uh, six years ago when I met uh, both Glenn and Launchpad at this very show, uh, it's great to come back and uh, commemorate and think about uh, all the fun memories of meeting them here from uh, those years before. Uh, This is uh, Vancouver Tim, out. Hello, APG. This is David Abbey from New York. Glad to be at Oshkosh again with my aviation family. Got here on Sunday, flew up in a 737. I was not in the cockpit, but um, got here safely. And uh, this is my fifth year. And I just remember when I first came, the first time I came here, it took me about 10 minutes to say, I'm coming back every year. It's that good. There's that much to see. Great people, great airplanes, and um, do this again next year. Take care. Hey, APG. Comanche Sue. Uh, here paying our respects to our friend Glenn this morning, so that was super nice. Yep, here all week. Been here since Saturday, and happy to be back to see everybody. Captain Jeff, it's uh, Logan Lynch. Uh, flew in from uh, Bismarck on Saturday night. Got to Milwaukee. Oh, around midnight. Had a nice two-hour delay from Acme, so thanks for that. You're welcome. Um, but been here all week. I'll be leaving Sunday morning. Um, really been kind of a chill week. A lot of airplanes, obviously. Watched the night show yesterday and just been enjoying a lot of good company. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Greetings, APG. This is Hillel, and um, it's really just 
a totally Oshkosh thing to watch so many people come together to remember Glenn. And I'm grateful that putting out the call, actually Logan beat me to the punch and put out the request for people to show up at the usual time and place here at Oshkosh. Uh, for those who don't remember, it was Glenn's birthday each year at Oshkosh, which is how he wanted to spend his birthday. So it's fitting that we remember him here. Uh, I found APG many moons ago, shortly after Captain Jeff appeared on the Airplane Geeks podcast. And I was contributing to the Airplane Geeks a little bit, and I was then sending in verbal feedback, audio feedback to Captain Jeff when he was by himself. And at my very first Oshkosh in 2015, this tall dude comes running over and he's been trying to coordinate to meet with me and I have no idea who he is. And Glenn went out of his way to make a significant effort to meet up with me wherever I could be met up with. He didn't matter where on the airport I was, he wanted to meet with me. And it was just so welcoming and and wholesome and that's how i'll always remember glenn so uh, of course oshkosh is oshkosh it's it's like no other place on earth for a week and um grateful to everybody that came out and who contributed to the making of the brick and the memorial wall at the museum uh, many of our listeners uh, have contributed uh quite significantly so i'm thankful for all that and uh for now, I'll sign off and Glenn out. All right, Jeff, that's it from us. Uh, sorry to miss you, uh, Liz, Miami Rick, and Captain Nick. Uh, we're still all patiently waiting to see if we get an appearance from Captain Jeff, but uh, uh, until we're back in the studio, we'll uh, send it back to you, Jeff. Well, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, you did see me. In fact, I have photographic evidence of such uh, right here. There. I showed up and um, mm-hmm. there's uh, Nick Camacho and uh, myself. And uh, in the previous, when they were talking on this uh, recording that uh, Camacho made, uh, they talked about Logan Lynch, who is right behind uh, Steph's uh, left, shoulder. left shoulder. And then and I think Comanche that's Comanche Sue, Sue isn't it? it is. That he's talking yep. to that's kind of cut off mm-hmm. there. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, these uh, are some of the photos that uh, Dave, David Abbey took of uh, uh, Nick and I. C five in the background. Yeah. So um, anyway, it was uh, it was really nice to see everybody there, and uh, that was. Uh, we were just Thursday. impressed that you were dressed in black because it really. You heard many people reference the sweltering heat. It was. Yeah. The air was thick and quite warm. As it often is in the Midwest. Yeah, I just kind of happened to have like that was like laying on my bed, and before I left, I obviously <laughs> wear that, and it, it almost looks like I'm wearing a hoodie. But that's actually my, it. Kind of does the polo shirt, kind of because it, the sun was just burning my the back of my neck, so I'm just kind of mm-hmm. flipping up the uh, the collar on my polo shirt there. Yeah, that's why but, I kept that. Um, I got that bandana from the Women Venture tent. Mm-hmm. They had like a Rosie the Riveter theme thing going on. And I was wearing that around all day and someone said, oh, you want to take that off? It's warm. I'm like, yeah, but it's keeping the sun off the back of my neck. Right. It's working. Yep. And Logan, man, he looked like he was, uh, <laughs> Oh, he was like out for, in, in the safari. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was completely covered, which was very smart actually. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so that was the, uh, the 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 nice uh, memorial for uh, Glenn, and also um, you know uh, Launchpad uh, Marzari as well. Mm-hmm. He has a has a, a tile there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, Friday, um, I, I didn't really get a chance to see you again, Steph, on Friday. No, I left on Thursday. Okay, that's why. And then uh, I think Camacho left. Uh, I think I saw him um, briefly on on Friday, uh, and then he and his son Colin uh, Cannon um, uh, left for Milwaukee, I believe, uh, to uh, uh, spend the night there and then continue their travel back to uh, Wichita. And so it was nice, uh, nice seeing them. And then on Saturday, um, the the OB, the opposing bases uh, guys. Uh, did a live recording of their show, and I wanted to. I'm actually be there. quite sad I missed that. I wanted to be there. Yeah, for that, it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. They even asked me to participate uh, in answering one of their questions that they uh, had planned, and so I got a chance to do that. And uh, let me uh, show some uh, pictures from that. Uh, this is uh, setting up. This is sent in uh, from um, Michael Rogers, um, and. Uh, this was uh, before, as we were getting everything set up and everything before they started the show, I just decided to make a little recording. And uh, here is that. Well, here at Oshkosh for the main event, which is, of course, the talk by RH and AG. Uh, they have some kind of a podcast. Apparently, it's the uh, best in the universe or something. I don't know. Anyway, it's pretty good, I have to say. Um, I'm going to uh, just quickly uh, talk to a few folks just so we have something to talk about in the, on the show for the Getting to Know Us segment. So uh, I just wanted to start off with Chris Ott. He's an APG community member, has been for quite a number of years, got the chance to meet up with him last year, used his hangar uh, to uh, be a guest host on the uh, PTUK, and he graciously reached out and said, hey, if you need a place to stay, uh, my house, we have a room, we have a bed, we have a real bathroom and a real shower. And so I took him up on that. So he's up in New London area, about 40 minute drive north or so, something like that. Doesn't seem that long actually to me. But, uh, anyway, Chris, uh, say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's been a pleasure this week and it's been a great hosting Captain Jeff. Um, I just hope he put Halal back in his trunk before he, uh, left my house today. Yeah, I forgot to. We left this morning. I didn't even think about Hillel. Is he still there? I haven't gotten a panicked call from my wife yet, but uh, we'll know in a little bit. Well, maybe she kind of digs Hillel. I don't know. Now, Brenda, Chris's wife, has been so hospitable. They've been just great. So thank you so much to you and Brenda for letting me stay in your beautiful home. All right. This guy here, Adam Spink, you may have heard of him. He works in some little podunk tower somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Hi, Jeff. How are you? Fine, thanks. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, enjoying the week. Um, came out here with with Al, um, and uh, yeah, it's good to see everybody catch up and uh, enjoying the weather and the flying. Well, I'm glad I finally got to see you. I mean, uh, Captain Al has been telling me that you were actually here, and I wasn't really sure that that was a fact or not. Be- well, I, I have been trying to avoid you, and aha, uh-huh. it was unavoidable this morning. <laughs> yeah. I'm, oh well, sorry. <laughs> and then, of course, I, I mentioned Captain Al. We've been kind of hanging out together the last couple of days. Well, we certainly have. We had a great day uh, yesterday. We uh, had some interesting food, and uh, we had a really good catch-up because we've not seen each other for a, a proper long time. But what a beautiful day today. 
little bit of weather here uh, last night um, didn't really affect me because I was in a, a very nice, as you were, an Airbnb with had real walls and a real roof and wasn't in a tent this year. <laughs> I'm glad. Anyway, uh, so it's uh, always a great time spending time with you and uh, talking about all kinds of things. And, I mean, we covered just about everything, I think. We did indeed, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so on the subject of the uh, the weather here, I was uh, chatting to some folks here, and uh, despite it being quite a reasonably nasty storm, I think even by sort of U.S. standards, uh, they had a couple of uh, trees fall in some of the campgrounds, uh, only one minor injury and no aircraft damage, so another top result for the folks here. And uh, the EAA had volunteers out at 3 o'clock this morning going around and sorting everything out. So top marks to the EAA. They do know how to run things here. I'll give you that one, Jeff. They do, they've been doing it for a while. Yeah, and you're right. They really do. And I've noticed uh, today it's a l- quite a bit muddier than it was the last couple of days I've been here. Um, anyway, so that's Captain Al. It's always good to hear from him. And uh, Alpha Juliet, he's he's uh, sent us feedback. In fact, he uh, uh, sent us the video about of him and his friends uh, flying from and I forgot what he called the airport, but it was uh, Kennesaw. Yeah, Guntown. There we go. Oh, okay. Because it's supposedly a requirement that you have to have a firearm living in there. I don't think they actually enforce that. But anyway, uh, so he flew there down to Hartsfield uh, Jackson International Airport. And uh, it was great. Uh, so say hi to everybody in the, uh, not OB land, but in uh, APG land. Hey, everybody in APG. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to meet Jeff in person finally. So I've been having a blast. Great. Nice to meet you in person as well. Anyway, I think uh, RH and AG are probably too busy right now to uh, say anything. I might be able to catch them. And looks like uh, AG is getting a uh, photo with uh, someone who uh, really likes him. Um, he's wearing a... U.S. Army uniform, looking pretty sharp. And uh, let me just quick, all right, just say hi to everybody in the APG. Hello, APG crew. Quick shout out and thank you to APG again. We're only here because of you, man. No, that's not you true. got you got us started. You got us here. Thank you so much, everybody on the APG crew. It was love you guys' show and happy to have Jeff here for the live show. It's awesome. Thank you. Great to be here. I mean, that, as I said, I started this, but hey, I'm here in Oshkosh for the main event which is you guys. so, And I'm going to head out of here just as soon as all this is over and uh, start heading, driving back down to Atlanta. Drive safe. Thank you for coming. Sorry you had such a difficult time getting here, but you made it. it. Yeah, look at this. What a great turnout. That's amazing. I think that there's probably more people under this little tent area than we have, like, total listeners for the APG. I don't know. It's pretty impressive. Jeff, we love you. We love you. See ya. All right, just a quick uh, word from AG. I've just been kind of handing the mic around and uh, talking with some of our our shared audience, mm-hmm. and uh, just wanted to uh, have you just say hello, shout out to the APG crew and community. Well, of course, APG crew and community. It's AG from Opposing Bases. Uh, it's really good to be here. It's good to see all you guys. Um, it feels kind of like the you know the OG crew from from when was that 19 right yeah it was a lot of fun um yeah we're just glad we made it here it's been a bit of a ride that's what i hear that's what i hear so relax and do your great show i'm looking forward to it and uh that's that's it thanks ag well thank you for coming Uh, it means a lot 
appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime I have the opportunity to see these guys in person, I, I take it. And heckle us, no doubt. Oh, yeah, well, don't, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, so, anyway, thanks, AG. Dave Abbey here, APG community member. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. Huge turnout for opposing bases. Uh, I think Jeff would have a tough time getting this many people. Yeah, there's no way I'd get this many. No, no, no. They're, they're doing something right. You might want to ask them for some advice. <laughs> but Well, they have, they have like, really information and knowledge and, and stuff that people can use, and we don't really have that on our show. No, it's mostly just made-up stories and a lot of conjecture. <laughs> conjecture. So, so this is great. And just you know, we just try to make it funny and entertaining, and and sometimes we actually have like a little nugget of, of information and truth. That's right. And uh, you are entertaining, and they are funny. So, so you got a great podcast as well. Well, thanks, Dave. I really appreciate you saying so. And thanks for. It's great to see you here at uh, Air Venture Twenty Three. Great uh, to see you as well. Oh, and thank you for uh, giving me guest access to uh, the uh, Lifetime uh, EAA Air Venture Oshkosh 2020. Well, he's a new, now a new Lifetime member of the EAA, and I, I uh, was honored to get a little wristband so that I could uh, get inside the air-conditioned uh, building that for the special people. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, did you get to use it yesterday a, a little bit? Did you go use it a little bit yesterday? Yeah, I did. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad you got Got some ice cream, and we uh, ate our little uh, taco lunch uh, inside in the air conditioning. Oh, okay. That's where you were. We were looking yep. for you. All right. So um, this is Dave saying, if you haven't come to AirVenture Oshkosh, you're missing out. You are. Yeah, it's a great, great place. As always, great to see you, Dave. Oh, look at this. Sue. Good morning. Hey, hugs. I can't. I'm holding the microphone. I can't hug you. I'll hug you afterwards. So, uh, Comanche Sue. Good morning. It is Comanche Sue. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. How are you doing? Just, just fine. Thanks. Yeah. Been here all week and uh, really enjoyed myself. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so happy I got a chance to finally see you because I knew you were here, but uh, hadn't, I didn't, hadn't bumped into you yet. So, anyway, so very nice to see you and. uh, looking forward to hearing uh, Posing Bases Air Traffic Talk Absolutely. little lecture. thought you might be here, so that's why I'm here, too. Uh-huh, sure. Meet up with you. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's the only reason why you're here, Sue. Uh-huh. All right. Talk so, to you later. Talk to you soon. All right. <sighs> that, was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Lots of uh, APG community uh, in uh present at the live i kept saying their talk and their lecture but actually it was a live recording of their show that's mm-hmm. exactly what they were doing uh, but, I, don't know, uh, I love seeing the uh, the success that they've had because they really too. do put out a fantastic show and if you're not listening to opposing bases you should be right exactly i mean listen to us still too please. yeah don't don't forget about us <laughs> please Anyway, uh, in fact, uh, when he was doing the show, they were talking about the the new patrons, and then he said something like, "Sorry, Jeff," because <laughs> I made the comment. <laughs> they have they go on and on and on and on with all their mm-hmm. new patrons. I'm thinking, oh, oh well, that would be yeah. nice. Anyway, oh, thank you so much. By the way, you uh, dear patrons uh, of the APG, we do appreciate you. We really do. Um, anyway, uh, although they're getting lonely and they want more people to join them, I think. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, I guess the last thing I'll do is talk about the fact that, uh, I, I took off right after their live record show recording 
And um, I headed uh, again south, and I put in the you know the the origin and destination in Google Maps or Apple Maps or I think all uh, ways, all three of them. I think looked at the different routings that they had, and I thought, oh, the one that they kind of were favoring was one that included like a fifty-something minute delay. Uh, like somewhere like south of Louisville, between Louisville and Nashville. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to do that. So I'll take one of these other ones. And I'll, I ended up on the one that was going most to the uh, to the west. Of course, I hadn't looked at the weather uh, forecast or weather radar. Uh-oh. And uh, then I was going along and I started to look at the sky in the distance. I'm thinking, yeah, it looks a little stormy out that way. Maybe I should look at that one. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's that wasn't not, part of your pre-drive. Like I need you to have find to do an that app. in the RV, like a yeah. The, mm. to, do they make an app? If they do, please somebody tell me uh, uh, that, that has the overlay of the uh, map and the well. Anyway, so and the weather radar. Uh, I all of a sudden felt like as I was getting further, further south and southern Illinois, like I was uh, on the, one of those stor- storm chaser uh, things. Uh, you <laughs> know how to find they, yourself in the movie Twister, you know? Yeah, some, I like, mean, I'm looking you, out the some window. Some research vehicles are going to go, like, driving by. I've and, like, seen. People I, with big, you know, cameras trying I've to catch cool I've seen this cool before photos. on these uh, YouTube channels and these dark clouds <laughs> and these roll clouds. And they're, I'm thinking, oh, they're coming. Shoot, I have to go. I have to turn, like, 90 degrees to the left and start heading due east because this is coming at me. <laughs> and this is what... <laughs> This is what I um, Ooh, saw. Spicy. Um, yeah, no, even though the little thing pointing to the northwest, I was actually uh, at this point, I think, traveling either due east or maybe southeast. And um, I, I looked and I thought, you know, if I can make it to Vincennes, Indiana, right across the Illinois Indiana border, um, and just sit this, like, hunker down, let this thing just pass by. Uh, that's what I'll do. So again, I engaged uh, Liz and I said, can you look up, see if there's anywhere on a Sunday night that I can uh, eat my dinner and stay inside and let all the stormy weather go by, all these severe thunderstorm mornings and everything else. And so she helped me uh, find the old Chicago pizza and grill or something like that. There's the uh, uh, menu from it. And I had to have something mm-hmm. you know, to wash the little pizza down with. So I had a little beer and, uh, the storm went by and then, uh, got to resume my, my trip down to Clarksville, Tennessee, which is North of Nashville, uh, North West of Nashville. Um, and, uh, it was still a little bit of lingering weather here and there, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't like severe, uh, high winds and hail and, you know, severe rain. So it was uh, just a little bit of light rain. Everything was wet, but it was still, Getting light, but we, uh, I may, we, we, uh, just me, uh, royal made it, we, the royal we, uh, made it to uh, Clarksville, Tennessee, and uh, then the next uh, day continued the rest of my trip home to Roswell. There you go. Wow, that whole thing, that whole getting to know us segment, I, I wasn't anticipating it being this long. Uh, sorry about that. We had um, a lot to talk about. Yeah, we did, um, and we have more to do uh, when. Uh, at least one or more of our crew joins uh, us um, for the second part of this recording. Um, I guess I'll save the uh, talk about the cover uh, until uh, Nick is on, Nick uh, Anderson, because he's the one that uh, came up with that. Um, I guess I could uh, quickly do... Would you rather me do the coffee fund uh, on this part, um, Steph, or would you? is there a 
piece of feedback that you wanted to cover before we uh, ended part well, one? Well, I'm not sure on the feedback because I'm still doing all of um, the show notes through my phone oh. because Evernote um, on my computer has been having all kinds of difficulty. Okay. Uh, let me... Um, you know what? I mm. think I'll just make the command decision and okay. uh, say, let's do the coffee fund and then... We'll just end part one and then hopefully be able to get uh, cover a bunch feedback. of feedback yeah. on the on the next yeah. segment. So uh, here we go. We're going to do coffee fun jingle. Now Steph can sing with me. Oh shoot! Johnny, how much more coffee? No thanks. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea. And the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh, yeah. Nice, Steph. Thanks. Yeah. It kept, my, my screen kept telling me my mic was muted. I'm sorry about that. Huh. How, the, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, how inopportune. Anyway, the Coffee Fund is your way to support the show financially if you have the resources to do so. And we have a couple of different ways to do that here. Uh, one is called the... Uh, the APG Coffee Fund classic method. And since the last show, we have Philip Biggin uh, and Paul Gubb, Gubby. Um, Philip, they both made very nice, generous donations. But Paul, Gubby, man, 100 bucks. Thank you so much. That was very, very nice. I think he's hoping that that will be enough for us to cover his feedback. And we're going to try to do that on the next part, <laughs> part two, Gabby, because we've had it in our feedback, uh, you know, list for a while. And um, and by the way, the coffee fund and feedback and playing your feedback has nothing. They're not connected. So don't worry. You don't have to be part of our coffee bar club or a coffee fund cadre uh, for your feedback to be read on our show. Um, let me hit this little thing right here and keep that music going on in the background. Uh, the other way that you can uh, contribute to our show is via Patreon. You can become a patron of our show. And since the last episode, we have a couple of new producers, uh, Kaz Hosier or Hosier. I'm not sure how that's pronounced. And I love the name Kaz. That's great. And, yeah, that's cool. uh, huh? Ah, it's cool. I like it. Yeah. Different. wonder if that's short for, I'm not sure what that would be short for. Uh, anyway, uh, David uh, Franklin, also a new producer, uh, a new patron. And uh, so thank you very much for that. And we also have a new, and you know him, Rob Simmons has mm -hmm. contributed to our show. I mean, he's, he's given me all kinds of gifts and uh, Nick has visited his school and his, uh, school the school children in his classes and they've recorded stuff and uh, just been a big part of our show so rob is an a, an assistant senior executive producer it's like one of the top tiers and uh that is awesome so yeah big uh, round of applause and even a noise maker for that one thank you for joining uh becoming a patron and if you want to join rob and everybody else Kaz. over there at uh, patreon uh, you can do that by heading over to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did, and we will too. Mm -hmm. And I just thought about 
Yeah, you had no part at all in that uh, coffee fund discussion, didn't you? Doesn't matter. I sang. Or did but you? you didn't yeah, hear you it. did. Yeah, I think it was probably beautiful. <laughs> Would have brought tears to my eyes, I'm sure. Maybe someday. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just keep. I, I hate to cut in. Yeah, let's do. Let's do at least one piece of feedback. One you know, feedback. Just, okay. One, and then we'll we'll leave and then plenty we'll call of time for the next. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what we'll do. Um, let no, I'm going to do that with Nick. Uh, uh, and this one's definitely for Nick. So I'm sorry. Do you have? Do you have a? Is there something that's like short, funny, mm. uh, poignant, a good like wrap up to? Yeah. Um. Not really. Part one. Um. Right. Well, we don't have to. It's yeah. fine. I I'll talked a lot. I think that yeah. um, this Andy Harris. Uh, sent in this as a little short. I see it involves food, so I'm I'm excited about this piece of feedback. Yes, uh, let me see if I can find which one is it. Um, uh, hang on. And dear listeners, it's a complete surprise to me because, like I said, my Evernote is not cooperating. So and yeah, she doesn't have any of this information at all. No idea. But she sees what I'm kind of queuing up for the uh, yes. the image, and uh, let me go ahead and do this. And uh, this is a picture of a Lotus Biscoff cookie. Uh, there are a couple of airlines out there that uh, enjoy uh, giving these out on their flights, and uh, one of them is Acme Airlines. And uh, Andy says, Captain Jeff, simple question: Will you ever eat the Biscoff cookies again in your life after retirement? Mm. I don't know. I'm thinking I might need to snag a couple of those. Uh, they you they have come some in, as like keepsakes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they come in like a big stack that they're oh, all wrapped up in plastic of these things. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many are like 24 or 30 in a stack. Just maybe I request to, that as a retirement gift. Yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So uh, that's a good question, Andy, but uh, I guess it's possible for you to, for you to buy them other or and have them and eat them other than on a, Acme or a Delta airplane. That's what I've heard anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I will say that I always, um, you know, when they come down the aisle and ask if you want a, a snack and that's the offer, um, I'll, I'll take it because I think they're delicious and it goes really well with coffee. It really, they really do. Probably good with tea as well. And surprisingly, okay with beer. Oh, that is surprising. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess that's going to end our first segment, our first part of uh, APG 579. And uh, with the magic of podcasting, well, uh, first of all, I'll let um, Steph say goodbye, and then uh, we'll make the transition to the next crew. Cheers, y'all. Hey, look at that. From his studio... In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. Professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick. Well, hello, Jeff, and (laughs) hi, Liz, and oh, look, I see Steph. Bye, Steph. See you later. (laughs) Great to be back on the show. Running away. Great to have you also, Nick, and also joining us. Some adult supervision from her studio in Toronto. Retired financier and an aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer. It's Liz Piper. Hi, guys. Long time no see. At least it sounds like a long time. I don't know. Yeah, it feels yeah. like it. 
doesn't it? Wow. Yeah. One of these days, we're going to get everybody back together on like, in one place everybody. and record a, so cool. a show. It'll never happen. I know. We we kind of, you know, July has kind of been a odd month, I think, well, for all of us. Well, it's been a good month. Yeah, it's been a great month. Not here, for me. Man. It, It's hosing it down outside. Hmm. Absolutely pounding. Well, okay, about guys, the I'll, let you do, I'll let you do some news and then I'll talk to you later. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Okay. I need to redo the uh, layout. There we go. All righty then. Um, so let's go ahead. Can you hear me, Jeff? Yeah. I can hear you, Liz. Uh, she is in the control room and uh, whispering sweet nothings in my ear. Yeah, nothing. Emphasis on nothing. Uh, or is that nothing said, sweet? There's nothing sweet about what she's, uh, <laughs> the nothings that she's uh, emitting. Anyway. Uh, let's, uh, do this. Let's go. So we already covered, um, a couple of news items with Steph and, uh, one piece of feedback. That's it. And, uh, so we have some catching up to do. What did you talk about? Well, we had a very, time. very long segment of getting to know us. Let's just All put right, it that Let's way. get some, let's get some work done then, Jeff. Come on. All right. Let's do that. Okay. So let's uh, start with this. This just happened a couple of days ago at Atlanta International Airport. And I think this is an example of a job well done by the captain and crew of this flight. And uh, let's take a listen. It sounds like we blew a tire for 1437. Is that correct? Yes, sir. We did see uh, smoke and fire coming off of uh, one of your tires. We do have the emergency uh, vehicles on the phone. We're sending them out now and looking for some off vehicles uh, to hold the position. And uh, your number one main gear is on fire. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thirty-seven. The flames on the right uh, main gear are on fire and visible from the tower. Would you like to enact mm -hmm. any emergency procedures at this time? To left. See, we uh, will probably be evacuating off the right side of the aircraft. About a fourteen thirty-seven. Not Roger that. We will relay that information and uh, make sure everyone remains clear. Uh, you could begin your evacuation procedures. We have uh, uh, airbag, airbags deployed from aircraft, asking permission for all units to enter on the 9 left. Airbags? And uh, yeah. Fire Chief, proceed on runway 9 left. Our vehicles on mic, proceed on runway 9 left. Our on mic, proceeding on runway 9 left. Fire Chief, all units, Fire Chief, all units. Our yeah. units coming from Station 40. Go ahead and protect egress. R7, R8. Go ahead and protect egress on front of plane. All other units coming in, we're going to go ahead and start rounding up everybody so we can get a count and hold everybody to the grassy area. All units hold everybody to the grassy area. All right. That is the end of that particular video. And uh, let's see. Let, let me tell you a little bit about uh, what this was all about. That was... The uh, Delta Flight 1437 from Richmond, Virginia to Atlanta International, as I said just a couple of days ago, I think the 2nd of August is when this occurred. And uh, so I think everybody handled this pretty well. I'm, the first question I had when I looked at the uh, FlightAware flight path and also the fact that they were talking about using nine left for landing, normally... It must have been just a really uh, not a lot of activity, not a lot of traffic going on, because usually that runway in Atlanta, Nick, you'll probably remember this, nine left is usually the takeoff runway that's the closest in the middle runway complex to the uh, terminals. 
Um, so I thought that was kind of odd. I'm thinking, well, maybe there was some kind of a um, uh, an emergency already in progress, and that's the reason why they chose the longest runway in Atlanta. Uh, but I, as far as I can tell, uh, looking at the the flight aware path and all the other sources, it doesn't look like there was any kind of an issue going on at all. It just maybe. The uh, tower asked if they wanted to uh, land on nine left. It's a little bit closer. Not, uh, you know, it takes away a little bit of taxiing time into the uh, into the uh, terminal area. Um, so that was the first weird thing I thought about this. But then um, we hear the tower mentioning to the crew that uh, she sees. Uh, that some of the tires have um, deflated and that there's a fire. And initially she says the number one, which is correct. Uh, and then she says the right side. And I'm thinking the tower in, in the midst of all this and all the excitement and confusion, uh, the uh, she's looking at it from her angle, her viewpoint in the tower. And to her, looking at that air, airplane, it's on the right side. But it's really not the right side of the aircraft. It's the right side from her vantage point. And then she corrects herself. Yeah, that, just make a point about that, Jeff. It's a very easy for us on the flight deck because we are so used. To, we're always facing forwards. If, you, if you're not, you haven't strapped in properly. So, <laughs> well, <the> right. <laughs> that could be a problem. <laughs> and the left, exactly. The right and the left are perfectly logical to us. But for people uh, outside the aircraft or, say, for the cabin crew who are used to walking down the cabin, the right and the left might get transposed for them. So uh, that's one of the reasons we numbered the engines. Uh, but the other th reason is, um, you know, just if you are in a position to try and talk to the pilots and describe something, just imagine yourself in their seat and then call the left and right according to that. Exactly. But as I said, this was not something that anybody was expecting to happen. And then in, in the moment, you you know you're like oh it's on, it's on the right oh and then i think she probably realized as soon as that came out of her mouth um, rookie mistake i didn't mean the right uh, i mean the left yeah rookie no i don't i don't think she's a rookie I've, i recognize her voice right. she's been around for a while masha's got a good comment there uh, masha says looks like a pretty chill evacuation and i'd say Absolutely. In fact, that's the reason why I wanted to talk about this, Masha, is the fact that, you know, we talk about all these crashes and incidents and emergency evacuations, and it's usually never uh, in a positive way. We always have a, a few criticisms, but you'll you'll notice that, and I'm going to play this again, um, the uh, evacuation video here taken by a, um, a passenger, I think, uh, is showing these people. There's no, nobody has any luggage with them. Everybody Yay. listened and yeah, didn't take their well luggage. And, and also, let me see if I can freeze this right here. Well, at some point, I don't know if it was in this video or another one I was looking at, there was somebody uh, that the overwing exit, somebody, a couple of passengers had, had exited. And I don't, you see in the left hand, um, again, you'll have to watch this if you're listening only. Uh, uh, I'll have these videos linked in the show notes. You'll see that there's uh, the overwing exit um, uh, slide. By the way, the uh, ARF people said uh, airbags, but uh, again, maybe in the excitement of the situation, he couldn't remember what they were called. They're called slides. 
inflatable slides. Anyway, There's the inflatable. No way to talk about the cabin crew. <laughs> yeah, those airbags. You see how steep that uh, yeah. that uh, slide is coming off that right wing, and I think that some of the passengers took went out on the wing and looked at it. And went, no, 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 I'm, I'm not doing that. And they they actually walked back into the into the cabin. So that kind of gives you an indication that it looks like everything was pretty controlled and pretty chill, as Masha uh, mentions uh, in this evacuation, which is what you want. Um, what you want, what you want, what you want. There we go. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to say about this is uh, Juan uh, Brown from the Blanca Lirio channel is, um, is an awesome guy. And uh, he uh, covered this almost immediately. And uh, in his analysis of uh, the evacuation, he made a point that I really strongly agree with him about and i've even made a uh, a comment on his video of course which was slammed by several people nobody seems to agree with juan or myself but uh, let me just play this and i'll i'll show you what i mean uh, what i strongly agree with and i want to commend this pilot here can't tell if this is the captain or the first officer for wearing her hat Hats have be kind of become optional in the airline industry, and this is a good reason why it's a good idea to continue to wear your hat, because you can tell right away that she's one mm, of the pilots, one point. of the crew members on board this aircraft, and she's in a position of authority to help guide everybody to a safe location. Yep. Here's another still showing the two right door. Okay. So he goes on. By the way, I ha I'll have that linked as well in the show notes. Please check out um, the Blancolario YouTube channel, because... It's awesome. He does a great job, and uh, I hope he didn't mind. And we'll see your comment there. Playing, uh, yeah, and you'll see my comment there if you go to look at the video, and then you can see all the snarky, snide comments that people made about the hat that didn't agree with me, and and didn't agree with the presenter, the uh, content Why creator. Why didn't they like the hat? Oh, I don't know. Something about oh, I was wearing my hat, and some lady thought I was the the sky cap and handed me the <laughs> luggage. To, and yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. come on. Yeah, and then, and then they, somebody else said, well, I'd rather her be wearing a, a safety vest instead of the hat. And then somebody else said, well, how about both? How about the safety vest? But, you know, things are kind of hectic when you're doing the evacuation. But I'm glad that somebody made the point about the safety vest because that is going to become part of my evacuation briefing uh, to my first officer. That, oh, that's you know, good. If you think about it, grab that safety vest before you walk out there and help with the evacuation. I'd never thought of it. I, I happen to agree exactly there, Jeff, because our company made a big thing about uh, safety vests. So, you know, the instant that we knew we were going to be in a possible evacuation um, situation, uh, we all got our safety vests out and put them on because they've got crew written all over them. Mm. And uh, that's an obvious indication, more so perhaps than a hat. But if you want to identify the pilots, then they're the only ones with I'm, hats on usually. Yeah, you look so, at that still yeah. frame and you see her walking there with her hat on. I mean, immediately. I mean, I don't see anybody else with a pilot hat no, no, on. exactly right i so mean she, she does stand out there and you think okay and that, it's good that she's doing exactly what she should be so the captain in and this was never written down in our manuals but it was always part of my uh, briefing if we had an emergency i'll be the last to leave the aircraft i want yep. you first out or out as soon as you can to start assembling the passengers and being uh, my authority using my authority on the ground to make sure everything's being done correctly um, so, and I would be the one that went through the entire cabin, made sure everybody was off before I exited. 
And I uh, also, I, I actually briefed that in my um, initial emergency or uh, abnormal briefing before we start a trip together with uh, my new first officer. I'll, I'll mention exactly that, that after we've gone through the evacuation checklist very deliberately so we don't rush through it and skip a step because each one of those steps is extremely important. Once we have accomplished this, we've uh, shut everything down, the airplane secured, you go out and help with the evacuation. And now I'll add, and don't, you know, try to remember to put the safety vest on. And I'll make sure, I'll stay on the airplane and make sure everybody is off the airplane before I leave the airplane. As you said, the captain goes down with the ship or is the last one to leave the ship after they've made sure yeah. that everybody's off. Exactly right. And the other thing I'll just bring out, I, I really do appreciate the fact that I'm sure the cabin crew uh, gave a very quick lightning brief to the first few able-bodied persons to go down the slides and assemble at the bottom to help everyone off the slide because it's so easy to just go down the slide and run away. And uh, you need someone big and strong at the bottom there to sometimes restrain or help people as they come hurtling down the slide. Uh, I, you know, I went down a slide once, and that was like most of us, Jeff, in our uh, initial uh, training, went through the cabin crew uh, training uh, rigs and went down a slide, and it nearly broke my damn back. You know, I've already got a back problem, but when we went down that slide, which is quite a big one from a – it was a 747 slide mm. – uh, you hit that inflated bustle at the bottom, uh, and it really did ram my back, uh, gave it a big jolt, and I came flying off. I managed to stay on my feet, but only just. Uh, and, of course, that was actually due to the fact that it had been used so often. The retardation strips that are on that slide to decelerate you as you get to the bottom had been worn to glass so that was, they were completely useless and there was no one down there to help catch me so uh, oh boy i uh I, I limped around the for the rest of the day thinking oh god right. but my this is a great start to my new civil aviation career yeah. <laughs> but they you can see the groups of guys at the bottom there catching helping, people yeah. helping them off which That's is good. essential i think when you're doing a good evacuation yeah and well done to the pass uh, the passengers listening to the um request to leave your stuff on board the aircraft yeah. uh, and the other thing I, the last thing i want to say uh, probably maybe i'll think of something else but the last thing uh, is, uh, in fact, in this still frame, you can see the person going back into the airplane right over the right over wing exit, is that when you're getting the brief, the over wing exit briefs, you have one of those nice uh, aisle or um, emergency exit row seats that have a little bit more room and nice and comfy. You can stretch your legs out a little bit. Okay, so you have responsibility now. Uh, and when this happens, and you know, sooner or later, you might find yourself in this situation. You actually have to really know how to actually open the door. What to do with the door? Do you throw it out on the wing or do you keep it inside the aircraft? It depends on the aircraft. Uh, some aircraft have the door actually hinged and connected to the uh, the, the fuselage of the aircraft, like the 737. Um, but I want, I want you to um, make note of the fact that they're asking you to look at the passenger safety card and actually look at it and and think to yourself, okay, if this happens, I'm going to open the door. What am I going to do with the door? First of all, secondly, uh, what, which way am I going to, I'm going to step out onto that wing. Which way should I expect to be going? Should I turn left or turn right? 
Okay, that little passenger safety card is going to let you know which way to go. Mm. And I always want, I, I sit in that emergency res- exit row a lot when I'm deadheading. And I would love to, and I never have done this. I, I want to ask the people, okay, now you've, you know, you've gotten the briefing from the uh, flight attendant. Which, which way are you going to do? How are you going to do this? Are you going to turn left or right? You know, I bet 90% of the time that people are going to go, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, th- I just want to say that because you might find yourself in that situation. You should know because you're going to be a big part of a successful evacuation. Now, the Sultan of Wings, Brad Nunn in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, could you share your thoughts on whether the evacuation was warranted? Okay, good point. That is something I wanted to talk about, and uh, I'm glad you uh, reminded me. Uh, I This is one of those situations that um, could probably go either way, and a lot of it depends upon how much information that the air crew is getting, the pilots are getting. Okay, I, we can't, we don't have a camera on the 757 to look back at that gear. We are relying completely on the people in the tower and anybody else on the ground that is near enough to give us information on the radio of what's happening, uh, notably the air rescue firefighting people. But it's going to take them a few minutes to get out there. So the, the, the only information that the captain has at this point is what the tower is telling her or telling him. The gear is on fire. Okay. But, you know, this is some kind of a landing gear incident, a hot break incident, a, a fire um, wheel deflation fire right there in the main landing gear area. And the aircraft are kind of designed and certified to have that kind of thing occur um, as long as it doesn't get out of control. Yes, people will say, well, the wing is right above that, and the wing is full of fuel, or likely full of fuel, or a lot of fuel. But as long as there's no problem with fuel leaking from the wing, uh, the thing is designed to have that kind of fire going on in that. And sometimes, as we mentioned many, many times in the show, doing the emergency evacuation is when you're going to get the injuries, almost guaranteed. Now, in this case, I don't think they even had maybe one minor injury or something, I think. Uh, but usually that's not the case. In fact, I think that somebody has said, I've listened to uh, somebody talking about evacuations that, you know, it's likely in this kind of an evacuation that you're going to have one person actually die. Yeah, in a a wide body, I think. uh, In a wide body, maybe. Uh, But, you know, the 7.5 is pretty pretty high up there. I mean, it's like the height of a wide body, I think, pretty much. Anyway, um, so... I'm uh, the um, uh, the the decision of whether or not to evacuate in this situation uh, is, is is a tough one, and I noticed that looking at the video uh, when we saw the thing on fire initially, I mean there were several seconds that had passed by, and still I didn't see any slides being um, uh, you know filled up or um, inflating on the other side of the aircraft. So I think that that captain was thinking. Okay, I'm weighing all the the information that I have. Is this and and the the ARF crews have not arrived yet. What do I do? Do I do I wait for them to get here and tell me whether or not they think it's going to be under control and it's not a big deal, or do I go ahead and initiate the evacuation? Obviously, his decision was to initiate the evacuation, but I could see it happening either way. I don't know, Brad, I'd like to know what your thoughts are uh, being an airline pilot on a Airbus uh, 320 series. Uh, Nick, I'd like to I'd love to hear your your uh, wisdom regarding 
whether or not this was warranted. Yeah, it's interesting because um, when I did my captain's training, we discussed this at length and uh, during simulator sessions, inevitably uh, you have a scenario where an evacuation is required and um, sometimes it's very hard. Uh, he, You know the training captain wants you to do go through your evacuation drill because that's the reason he's given you this problem. Uh, but, um, you know, you sit there going, I want to be absolutely certain that an evacuation is justified. Um, one of the discussions we had at length in a classroom session revolved around an American aircraft, probably uh, very similar, uh, either a 7-3 or a 757 um, that had a prolonged gear fire and the uh, fire rescue guys were around and the firemen were attempting to put this blaze out uh, and it lasted 45 minutes and during that time it was at times there were no flames at times there were flames 10 feet high coming off this gear assembly uh, and each time the fire chief was in contact with the captain saying uh it's getting worse but we've still got under control you know you'll be fine carry on and he was giving him a very detailed description of what was happening still leaving the decision up to the captain as to whether to evacuate or not but after 45 minutes they extinguished the fire and that was fine they they could uh, you know, put ordinary steps up and everyone could walk out of the aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, a. they asked us all, would you have waited 45 minutes for that fire to be put out? Ah. And most of us said, no, there were, yeah. there were times there when I think it would have been completely justified to uh, call an evacuation. But that was a difficult one. The, the thing, and I think you're exactly right, Jeff, when you're sitting there imagining what's happening under the wings behind you, it was would have been so easy and yet vital for the captain for someone to tell him that the fire was small. We, we all saw the fire. It was a little more than one or two feet of flames coming off the gear. It may have got worse at some point, and may, that may have been when it was a bit quieter, but you need the captain needs someone with a pair of binoculars to be staring at that giving him the information and if he if if he knew that he had a, a small fire and that's all he probably needed he probably would have sat happy i suspect i don't know for sure because i'm not in his seat and i'm not in his head but um if they had said there is a very big fire and there are flames licking the underside of your wings. I think that would have been an easy decision if they said it's an extremely, it's a small fire. It's a small fire and it's flickering. It's mm-hmm. and it's not getting any bigger. Then that also might have made his decision easier. No yes. criticism of his decision. No. But with more information, I think he could have made uh, a better choice, perhaps is the I good way of putting it. completely agree. What do they say? What do the kids say in these days? Hundred um, <laughs> percent. Your uh, Brad, or the Sultan of Wings, as your recent Airbus co-host uh, Matt A320 Matt from the UK made the statement: "Quote is, is it safer outside than inside?" I agree with that logic. Oh yeah, we only have to look at the, that dreadful incident with the uh, Ariana Triple Seven that crashed Asiana. at San Francisco. Oh, the Asiana, yeah. Asiana, sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the. So, you know, surviving passengers 
escaped from the aircraft and then was hit by a fire truck because they were hidden from view. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, being outside is often worse than being, you know, so nice and safe inside. <laughs> of course, if the aircraft is actually going to, uh, you know, turn into an inferno and it is an uncon will turns into an uncontrollable fire, then yes, your decision to evacuate is is entirely justified. Yeah. One last comment from Tim Van Ram. And then Tim Van Ram has a comment here. Uh, maybe a stripper <laughs> pole would be more handy than the standard slide. Now, are you? Do you mean like the fire, <laughs> the fire brigade Fireman's kind of? Uh, yeah. yeah, not the stripper. Those are two things. They're uh, two different things, actually. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Dave in our live audience says, at least with a stripper pole, you'd have a more entertaining safety briefing card. Oh. He's got a point there. Uh, oh, and uh, just a can quick I put that, that down as a potential? Uh, <laughs> yeah, put that yeah. down. <laughs> showed title. Uh, by a stripper the stripper pole. Um, how? Oh boy, that's going to be interesting. Um, so uh, that that instant that uh, the incident that you were referring to uh, with the gear on fire for forty five minutes. I think that may have been the um, – it, it may have been one of uh, Acme's sister airlines, Delta's uh, aircraft right. in Salt Lake City. That uh, And it was something to do with magnesium that had caught on fire. And apparently uh, yeah, yeah. magnesium, once it catches on fire, that's like, that's it. You know, you're not going to put the thing out or it's going to – you're just going to have to burn itself out. It burned very hot and for a yeah. long time, yes, indeed. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, it was a very interesting um, watch. Of, but it did go on for an inordinately long time. Yep. was also used in our training as well. Might point out that everyone got off the aircraft safely, despite yep. the intensity of the fire at times. Yeah, but I, I just like you, Nick, we it was used in our training as well. And every, you're just watching that going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> go ahead and yeah. evacuate the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to ever yeah, go exactly. out. Yeah. Bearing in mind that aircraft have evacuated uh, for um, – a cargo full of frogs before now. So it's mm. <laughs> quite a famous incident in Hong Kong where they were uh, had live frogs in the in boxes in the cargo hold. And um uh, <laughs> as they taxed it out, these frogs were so hot and steamy that they set off the cargo fire warnings <laughs> and they stopped <laughs> and evacuated the aircraft via the slides. So you go, well, even frogs, you know, they're very dangerous, those frogs. Yeah, those frogs, pretty dangerous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when we're talking about the little little bouncy ones, not the French people. <laughs> Thank you for adding that. Moving on. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're we're going to move on. We're going to skip uh, C. We're going to refer – we're going to um, address Postpone this it, yeah. one uh, in, a, in a future show, probably the next one. But let's skip to um, F. And uh, this is from Paddle Your, Paddle Your Own Canoe, uh, a prisoner who had been arrested on a warrant for evading uh, arrest. Wait, a prisoner who had been arrested on a warrant for evading, evading arrest. arrested <laughs> and was being transported. Okay. Oh, um, we love our journalists. Editors! <laughs> All right. A prisoner who had been arrested uh, on a warrant for evading arrest and was being transported from Colorado to Texas for trial, managed to briefly escape his escort officers at Denver International Airport on Friday morning, this was probably a little while ago, and fled onto the tarmac before being apprehended. The suspect, who local media have identified as Brandon Lee Chabot, Chabot 
is wanted in Orange County, Texas for fleeing a peace officer in 2019 and was due to be flown to Hayden on a commercial flight operated on behalf of United Airlines. According to several reports, Chabot somehow managed to escape the custody of Orange County deputies who had flown to Denver to collect their passenger, uh, excuse me, their prisoner. Chabot apparently managed to sprint down a set of stairs leading onto the tarmac and briefly escaped onto the airfield. Officers from the Denver Police Department managed to help re-catch Chabot, and he has been taken into federal custody. One of the escorting officers sustained a minor injury during the event. Um, apparently, this person uh, had uh, allegedly fled law enforcement during a June 22, 2019 traffic stop earlier this month. A man who, uh, whatever. So it was just interesting. He basically saw that and knew that he was going to be taken into custody and he's going right by this door. And as soon as you exit the airplane, you usually see this door and thinking, hmm, maybe this is my ticket to freedom and went out and went down those steps on the, uh, on the tarmac and uh, sprinted away. I, I don't know if he, his plan was fully formed, but, uh, no, yeah, he, uh, he was didn't quite make it. He was apprehended and in a similar incident, uh, G, uh, two Israeli passengers arrested after they jump from a jet bridge and climb onto a pushback tug in desperate attempt to catch their There he is hanging flight. from the jet bridge. This is again from Paddle Your Own Canoe. And you can see on the right-hand uh, image there on the right-hand side of the image, them actually hanging from the jetway and dropping onto the tarmac. And one of them has already clambered upon the tug. Uh, I don't. To get on that they flight? want to get on that flight. <laughs> I'm not. They do. I'm not desperate. sure they really thought this one through either. I'm thinking. You really think they're going to stop and go? Oh, okay. Like, let's let's oh, open yeah, the door, no get problem. a ladder, and let you guys on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that you've done that makes us think you're a entirely suitable passenger to have on my airplane yeah. for right. the next few hours. <laughs> you're thinking. You're thinking very, very well. Actually, it's the left side of that image. I was. It was covered up by another window. There, you can just see him hanging <laughs> from <laughs> from the jetway. Uh, Absolutely not yes. smart at all. No. <sighs> I, I love the the idea of this Blake uh, escaping. Uh, we actually um, had a few incidents. We at one point we were required to uh, fly deportees, who uh, people who had been refused entry and were being returned to their country of origin, mm -hmm. uh, and um, they were often extremely um, upset about being removed from the, <laughs> the fine Isles of Britain. And, um, you know, they would go to many lengths to avoid being on the aircraft. Uh, running was just one of the things they did, but <laughs> disrobing was another one. Oh, that's <laughs> always helpful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just well, if, you're going you know, to a cold if someone takes all their clothes off and uh, then, you know, you can't very well then carry them as a passenger. They were upset because they were normal for uh, fair-paying passengers amongst these, although they were, you know, a row of seats at the back with their um, they uh, could have evacuated handlers on the stripper pole. Were, where they were put, but they did all sorts of things, including making a mess of, you know, oh, I won't go into all the things mm. that the sometimes. Yeah, oh, thank you. But, but it was always a bit of a, a disaster, I'm sorry to say. Mm. Yes, I'm sorry you said it as well. <laughs>
All right. I uh, think it's going to go ahead and do this. It's the part two, getting to know us, getting to hope you like us too. And uh, you've already. Yeah, yeah. I think we put the kibosh on that already, Jeff. Well, probably. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So uh, last uh, wasn't long ago here on this episode that we heard from uh, Dr. Steph and myself regarding our wonderful time in Oshkosh. Unfortunately, um, Nick, you weren't able to come all the way over to uh, attend Oshkosh uh, this year, but um, You've you've been busy doing other things. What have you been up to? Well, uh, you know, it's the culmination of a lot of competitions in uh, the bowling world. So that has been keeping me extremely busy. I've been bowling, what, six days out of seven each week at least. Hmm. Um, But as we, you know, you can't win everything. So (laughs) as you get knocked out of these things, because a lot of them are knockout competitions, um, then slowly uh, you you know, your workload backs off, but then new competitions start. So, you know, you think, oh, well, I've got a chance of doing this, that, and the other. Anyway, uh, so the the bowling uh, continues apace. Um, so I would have played um, this afternoon, except we, as you mentioned, had that uh, very um, quite severe weather system move through. And, oh, it was uh, one, one that was sent from the United States? Yeah, we've got your secondhand rubbish again. <laughs> You're blowing across the Atlantic. You know, it's like having a neighbor who doesn't clear up after themselves. And when the wind blows, all their rubbish ends up in your back garden. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's Sorry. a bit like that. <laughs> Apologies uh, from the United yeah, States I know. of America. Uh, well, there's not much we can do about it. Um, <laughs> no. You, after all, you've got to get it from somewhere. Where does it come to uh, you from? Canada, I think. <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. And, and that's been about it, really. The, there hasn't been much else to talk about. Uh, I, I have had the odd moment to look at the backlog of Plain Tales, um, the ones that we put out on the website and also come out as their own little podcast if you happen to subscribe to uh, the Plain Tales podcast. So uh, I'm going to try and do one a day for a while now until we get those the backlog um, re- removed or released reduced uh, and i've got one all ready to go for the next show so yeah if you're interested in the continuing saga the we're talking about um uh, being on the Australian Hornets and going far afield to uh, Malaysia in this ah. case, uh, mm. plus uh, an interesting uh, um, session of fits of the whirling pits. So you'll find oh, out about wow. that, if, that uh, if you listen on the next show. Sounds like it's going to be the pits. I, what a tease. What a tease. It's yeah, no, listen, sounds like it's going to be the pits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yes, and it was for me nearly anyway. Yeah. Hey, you weren't with us in the first part, but you're here now. So we're going to yes. go ahead and talk about the cover art from the last oh, show. And uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, so <laughs> the title of the show, Who Pinched the Pappies? And if you haven't listened to the show, you'll go, What are they talking about? <laughs> of course, Pappies, P A P I, are prison, Precision Approach Path Indicator. Uh, systems which uh, are part of uh, visual glide path um, indicators that 
uh, tell us whether or not we were on the proper slope for uh, coming down on our final approach and touchdown. Um, and uh, the uh, we covered a news story where uh, apparently uh, an airport in Africa, uh, they decided, somebody decided that those would be valuable to steal and do something <laughs> with. We're not I sure think exactly if you ransomed them, you could probably get a few dollars for yeah. them. but. I mean, I'm trying to think of perhaps they would make good disco lights or something. I just yeah. can't imagine what else you'd use them for. Well, tell us about this artwork. I mean, that looks like a that doesn't well, look like <laughs> Pappy lighting system to me. It looks like a bunch of old men. Well, uh, I don't know. Is that a term you refer to, grandfathers? Yeah, I think yeah. Pe- pe- people here will sometimes pappy, use that. Yeah. Grand grandpa, Pappy. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I used to use pop, but uh, mm-hmm. for my father. But uh, a pappy might well. But anyway, uh, I was trying to think of uh, a joke about having your pappies pinched. <laughs> oh that can be painful. It, indeed. All I could think of was a bunch of grandfathers being kidnapped. Anyway, uh, it looks like um, mid-journey turned up trumps when I asked them to, to provide me with a cartoon of a lorry full of old men being kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did a really That's good right. job. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, I had to do a bit of tidying up of fingers, which is yeah, the there's thing some weird there on the roof of the exactly. truck too. Now, um, <laughs> you, can you zoom in on this one, Jeff? Uh, well, I mm, no. A bit hard. Okay, it's a slide because no. I mean, I was asking you to see if you could identify who the driver was. Oh, I was pinching these patterns. Well, let's see. Maybe I can find that artwork and then open it up in a Although different program. Although, bearing in mind we're an audio only, it might not be worth the effort. <laughs> well, I know, but you know, they they see the artwork. They can go to airlinepilotguy.com yeah, okay, and well, see. Zoom in on uh, the driver's okay, door. Hang on. Uh, keep keep can. talking, and right. I'm going to see uh, if I can I, present this in I a different way. I did pop some uh, some assistance there on. Uh, where the um, papas were being pinched from, because the truck says the property of Lagos, uh, and of course it is it it bears the uh, Acme logo on the uh, bonnet, which you don't call a bonnet, the you hood. call the a hood. glove a hood. box or something. Hood. No, hood. <laughs> a hood. The glove box yeah, is so inside where you put your me, gloves. Uh, a hood is something that goes over your head. And since not many people ride in the engine compartment, I don't know how you came up with hood. Well, I don't know. No, they how didn't did they consult on me. If, yeah, how did they come? Anyone, so what's bonnet? What's how logical is that? You wear a bonnet that? too. You wear a bonnet just well, like actually, you wear a hood. Actually, that's true. A bonnet goes over your head too as well. Uh-huh. If you're a lady, uh-huh. you put a bonnet on, don't yeah, you? Right. So uh-huh. there you Perhaps go. That's, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, if you're hunting the uh, show number, uh, there is a show number. It is secreted. In the left-hand headlight. Oh, we're getting there. Can you see him yet? Oh, you're nearly there. No. I... Who's the... Oh, there. Well done, Jeff. You've got him. Who's the driver? I... Who is it? I can't. It's Nick. Is it Nick? Is it Nick? Yeah. No. Oh, look at that. Oh, I see. Okay. I was looking in the wrong area. I was looking in the side window there. Yeah. The side went here. Hang on. There we go. Oh, yeah. I recognize that. <laughs> D- diabolical character. You pinch those Absolutely tappies. nasty kidnapping monster. Wow. Um, anyway, there we go. I thought I'd nice. slip myself in for a change. If All you right. pardon the expression. Yeah. Now, I bet I... you can't find that headlight, can you? Uh, the headlight? Oh, here we go. Right. The Over. left hand headlight, right hand as you look at it, left hand. Okay, if you're let me the zoom driver. in. Hang on, hang on. 
Oh, no. Um, That's boom. it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. You can already see it. What are we? Oh, yeah, I see it. Wow. That's the show number. Yeah. I see it. Yeah, five, seven, eight. Well, that's pretty well, tricky. It's kind of blinding so. to look at. That. And then <laughs> Liz, Liz is wondering about a, a certain yeah, part of the. Uh, what what the exactly is this right over here and uh, uh, above Legos? <laughs> I want to know. Someone with a is. deformed finger. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a finger. Oh, it's a finger. Oh, a finger. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it could be okay. they were eating a hot dog, and that's a wiener. Oh, it could be a wiener. <laughs> yep. It definitely yeah. do does have that appearance. Yeah, Okay. Oh, I think we've done quite. <laughs> We're finished with that one. There we go. Uh, we did have a discussion about whether that we should we leave did. that in uh, or not, and we thought, yeah, yeah. go ahead, leave it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get See some, if they're really looking at that. Arm. Some extra subscribers to our show, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> you never know who you're going to get. All right. Oh. And you did the coffee fund. So. I did the coffee fund. And, oh, wait, uh, before we move on, first of all, I'd like to say, Liz, bring yourself into the into the video, please. Uh, okay. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, Hello. there she is. Hey there. Um, so uh, the reason why I wanted to have you here is because um, I wanted to tell you how much I've missed you. And have, having to do a show... Uh, the first part of this one, uh, Steph and I were just like, I, I was trying to do slides and do this and do that. And it was just a mess. Uh, you said you haven't listened to the first part I have yet, not. but, no, I but have you'll not. see, you'll listen and you'll, you'll probably take satisfaction in the fact oh. that you are definitely wanted and needed here. Uh, oh, so, thank you. That's yeah. Great. So why were you not here? Uh, well, I was on you? my shortened. I usually go away for two weeks, but this time I went away for a week up north to uh, an area of lakes and cottages about two hours, two and a half hours north of Toronto. Um, when I was growing up, we had a family cottage up there and I love going up there. It's really nice, beautiful swimming. And Jeff was actually able to come and visit me there last year. So I spent a week up there um, swimming and relaxing and communing with nature. And it was lovely. So. so it's a neat naturist spot. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's the only time of year you can do that in Canada. I'm not sure the neighbors would be really into that, but sure, why not? Yeah, you anyway, never know. It was great. It's always great to get out of the city in the summer and go out up north. And my little dog loves it up there, which was nice. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I know you well love done. swimming in that lake. Uh, what, do, are the, what are the lake temperatures like? Thirty. <laughs> No, no, no. Well, <laughs> there's definitely not 30 Celsius, but yeah. um, I'd say they're probably, I think they're about, about around 70 Fahrenheit, maybe. Oh, that's, yeah. that's still chilly. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's refreshing. Well, refreshing. Yeah. I have a good layer of, uh, of um, blubber that keeps me warm when uh, I go. I do too. <laughs> anyway, thanks. I, I really missed being with you guys, but uh, I'm back now. So Yay. Fear, fear Yay. not. The crew is back. Hold on. All right. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we really did miss you a lot. Okay. Um, I suppose now we can uh, continue with uh, our feedback segment. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, start off with, um, uh, in this half, with uh, some feedback from Robert. And uh, Robert sent us a pic. And uh, let's see if we can find that in the... Yep. Um, Hang on a second. Okay. I got it coming up. Control room is coming up with it right now. Here we go. Uh, this picture that says using the, t okay, 
from the uh, Acme uh, facilities. Using the toilet just to pee wastes a lot of water. If you need to use the urinal and someone is using it, just stand back and wait a bit. I mean, you can last 30 seconds, right? And then somebody wrote in, say that when you're 60. <laughs> yeah, and the last thing you want to do is be behind an old gentleman who takes his time because his prostrate is enlarged, mm -hmm. and it'll be a lot longer than 30 seconds, I can promise you. Yeah, and especially if somebody just standing there staring at you, you know, yes. uh, that, that doesn't help. <laughs> it makes yeah, it twice. stress level. Funny yeah. enough, my father couldn't pee in a public ur urinal. He, um, he, he just found it too intimidating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which always surprised me, you know. He was so confident in other areas of his life, but not peeing. You know, it's it's a funny thing because it's when it really gets me is when I've had a let's say a little bit too much to drink, and I mean oh, my I bladder's going, that, oh Jeff. please, 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 and then you get in there and there are like fifty people waiting, you know, for a number of the uh, urinals in there, and and for some reason my brain goes, I can't go, I can't open that little valve here and it's just so you walk out you act like you did and then you walk out and you're going oh man i'm in pain i really have to you know it's it's not fun you know it, we don't want to turn this into the acme um urine show but why not um it, the australians always had a, a funny saying um you know you've been in a bar and you had a few beers and eventually you decide that you know now's a good time to go to the loo uh, and they used to call it cracking the seal because once you've had a few beers and you go once, you, you can't go stop on, then. Yeah, you go in ah. every 10 minutes. You know, yeah, you've managed two hours <laughs> without the pee previously. Wow. But once you go once, that's it. It seems to fill up as twice as fast as mm -hmm. it ever did before. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't know. I don't, I've never really had that much to drink. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we don't drink enough for that. But I'm, I'm, I'm doing something about it, though. I'm really cutting back. We'll see how long that lasts. All right. Well, as I, long as you're uh, zero carb diet, I expect. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not going to talk <laughs> about that. All right. Uh, let's uh, move on to this. Now, I promised in the first part of the show when we did the um, coffee fund, uh, by the way, Gubby uh, gave us a really nice contribution, $100. Uh, oh, nice. And I think oh, he thanks, thought, Gary. well, because we haven't, he sent in this feedback a while ago and we haven't played it. He's probably thinking, oh, shoot, I guess I got to give him $100 to play this, <laughs> to show, do the this bribe, feedback. The bribe worked, Gubby. Yeah, the bribe, the bribe worked. No, I actually said <laughs> in the first part of the show, uh, you know, you don't, it's not associated at all. It doesn't hurt, no. but it's not association. Okay. Uh, Jeff and crew listened to the last show, thought I'd contribute about the use of reverse thrust. It was a couple of shows ago. And we talked about reverse thrust use in flight. Uh, the C-17 can deploy all four engines reverse thrust in flight to reverse idle. Flown right, it can provide in excess of 16,000 feet per minute rate of descent. There you go. There's wow, a picture. that would be handy in, Actually, in a uh, explosive decompression, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Uh, very listen, handy. you can show the other one. That's the one that actually okay. is showing the reversers. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, that's a view from, uh, I think that looks like it's the left wing, uh, engines one and two in full reverse. Um, Mach 0.8 slash 320 knots indicated speed brakes out. I made some British Airways pilots on a uh, FAM trip quite uncomfortable. Enjoy the videos. Okay, he did send some videos, which we'll uh, link to in our show notes. We're not going to play them. 
but he also included one, uh, that first image that Liz was showing. Uh, that's um, a video uh, that shows a steep descent C-17 Globemaster from 30,000 to 5,000 feet. And it is just, wow. uh, for most of us airline pilots, yeah, and used to what we're looking at out of our windscreen when it's just filled with things that are uh, either water or land. Uh, that's just telling you that you're 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 way too steep. Uh, but apparently, the C seventeen this is a a piece of cake. And when you watch the video, it's just like wow, it's uncomfortable to watch for people that are used to a much more gentle slope. Yeah, I wonder what their dive angle is when they're doing one of those. It's, it's very impressive. It's got to be pretty pretty impressive, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, Gubby. Uh, again, if you want to watch these videos, we'll have links to them. I think they're both um, YouTube videos. Should have no problem are, yeah. <laughs> uh, opening them up on whatever device you're using uh, to view them. Okay. Um, continuing on, Vernon in uh, Vernon Tryon in uh, Fort, Fort, Collins. Co Fort Collins. I always want to say Fort Morgan. Well, um, maybe it is Fort Wait, I think it is Fort Morgan. It is Fort Morgan. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. Yep, you're um, right. Colorado. Um, clear air turbulence is becoming, uh, this is a link to an article in the scientificamerican.com. Uh, clear air turbulence is becoming more frequent and more intense as the atmosphere warns, warms. It, it's the uh, title of this article. And uh, so it talks about turbulence and the jet streams and all this stuff. But I've highlighted a part of this article that um, and I'm, I'm kind of skeptical. I'll just say that right out front. Uh, by pouring through uh, historical flight and weather data. And by the way, pouring, don't you, isn't it P-O-R-I-N-G? Not oh, you are. P O U R pouring through. Okay, no, he, he's he's an Englishman, I presume. Okay, uh, Paul Williams and his colleagues at the University of Reading in England found that turbulence in the North Atlantic jet stream increased in frequency by seventeen to fifty-five percent from nineteen seventy-nine to twenty twenty. And uh, I went ahead and uh, uh, found a graph because I'm thinking, well, from nineteen seventy-nine to twenty twenty, hasn't traffic uh, in the Atlantic kind of increased quite a bit, uh, over time, over that time frame. Is that, um, is that graph, Liz? Uh, did I include that in the, uh, not in the slides. Oh, uh, shoot. I forgot to put it in the slides. Darn it. Well, I can see it. Yeah. In the, uh, in the <laughs> article. <laughs> so yeah, well, thanks. I'm glad that Nick can see it. Um, <laughs> trouble, I'll, I'll put this, uh, in the show notes, but basically I found a graph and it, it's, it's kind of hard to see. Uh, but the the green line at the bottom is international traffic, so that you know accounts for all traffic around the globe, international. Okay, um, and the uh, the line from um, nineteen eighty through twenty twenty um, has increased uh, by a factor of ten. Uh, I did some math on that, and. Um, so 1,000% increase on – now, of course, as I said, this is not just Atlantic traffic, but I would I would pose – pose? Uh, I, would, um, I would say that uh, – and I think I'd be right about this – that um, the, the bulk of the – or the majority of traffic, international traffic, is probably over the Atlantic. Would you agree, Captain Nick? That, uh, well, there is a huge amount. It is one of the most frequent – Roots, but yeah, 
there are but I would account for probably maybe at least 50% of it. I'm guessing. I don't know that for, for a fact, but it, a lot of traffic over the Atlantic. And I'm just saying, just if you used uh, the thousand percent increase in traffic uh, from 1980 to 2020, you, it's probably a, uh, it's very similar kind of an increase in traffic over the Atlantic, I'm guessing. Um, and I'm, so I guess what I'm trying to say here, the reason why I'm skeptical about this whole thing is that Pouring through historical flight and weather data, they noticed that turbulence in the North Atlantic jet stream has increased uh, by 17 to 55%. And I'm thinking, I, I don't know, maybe I'm looking at this wrong. I'm not a, by the way, I'm not a scientist. So perhaps I'm um, all wet on this, but I, I just, I'm not convinced. And my own anecdotal uh, experience, of course, I haven't flown a lot over the Atlantic in my career as an airline pilot. Uh, like zero times actually uh so i you know i don't speak with a lot of credibility and authority on this but uh, just in general uh turbulence encounters for me over my career of 30 almost 35 years i think that it's actually in my anecdotal experience has decreased over time and also severe weather severe thunderstorms um for me over my career have decreased as well um so that, again, that's just my own anecdotal, non-scientific uh, experience. Uh, but I just wanted to throw that out there. But there, there is a very nice article here from the Scientific American. Now, yeah. Nick, uh, I mean, I have, you probably disagree with me, but go ahead. No, not necessarily, Jeff. I would say uh, he hasn't made it clear whether he's talking about the number of occurrences or whether it's corrected for the increase in air traffic. Or Four not. minutes to the one hour um, mark. So Jeff. he doesn't make that clear. Uh, and of course, technology has changed over the years. So now we aircraft automatically report weather mm. uh, details from their own sensors that is data linked uh, automatically, particularly across the Atlantic and other areas where there's no radar coverage. So you don't get the advantage of that um, to ensure that people get advanced warning of uh, turbulence. So the data coming to the pilots is more accurate, so they are more likely to avoid it. And, of course, the same data goes to the the planners of the nat tracks, so they're more likely to move the nat tracks out of areas of uh, turbulence. Um, so I think, and also now with our clever gizmos, we've got you know iPads with real-time updates yep. on uh, where we're expecting uh, clearer turbulence. So uh, that input in different technologies, I think, invalidates this rather bland uh, statement. Uh, I think you'd need a, a lot more detailed uh, investigation to see whether that increase uh, is as accurate as he suggests. What I do agree is that if you're going to raise the temperature of the atmosphere in general, uh, you're imparting more energy uh, into the mm -hmm. atmosphere. So it is likely that you're going to get bigger um, convective currents from QNIMS, uh, from clouds. You're going to get stronger and perhaps more irregular jet streams than you previously had because they were pretty stable and now the atmosphere is is a bit more volatile and the jet streams are likely to perhaps occur in places you weren't previously expecting them. There's an awful lot of stuff there, but it's, uh, I think, early days before you can really pin that on a particular cause. But I certainly think that it's likely that that would be a situation as we warm our 
Find it up. So in your airline career, 90% or more, maybe 100% of your flying was over the Atlantic. It was Virgin Atlantic, uh, after all. Uh, yeah, a good 60 or 70%. We went east we, a lot, We went to the Far East a lot oh, as well. Oh, okay. So in your experience, your own anecdotal experience, um, did did you feel that the, the convection and turbulence uh, was in, increasing as you got closer and closer to retirement or – was it about the Not, same or less? Or it's very hard to judge because, yeah. you know, you, you you remember the experiences when you've had a particularly bad and uncomfortable flight, and some of them were particularly bad and uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and all the flights where you had nothing and it went smoothly and you don't, you know, you just don't remember those because mm. nothing happened. So, you know, you'd have to actually make a note on every one of your flights on what you did. But certainly we spent longer advising other aircraft of our rides uh, in the later years than we did in the early years. And uh, we also sent a lot more weather data and stuff back to either Shamwick or Gander or back to our company Mm -hmm. if we were experiencing particularly bad problems. And I do remember that, you know, in the later years, we used to get a lot more SIGMETs in the Atlantic area that we never used to in my early days in flight. All right. Very good. Um, thank you for your um, experience or uh, letting us know about that. Um, anyway, it's an interesting article. Uh, check it out. And uh, now I think we're going to move to, yes, Tim, we are finally getting to this piece of feedback, this special, <laughs> this special piece of feedback that you sent yeah. in. And wait, hang on. Hey, staff, check to see if Tim's given us any money in the uh, coffee fund. No, not <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. I don't, not, I don't think he's given us out. enough for us to do this, but okay, <laughs> we're going to do it anyway. Uh, greetings, APG World. I'm uh, sharing a link to a story about a traveler that discovered a large, wet, bloody stain under the seat where his two cats were riding in their carriers. This was on an Air France Boeing 777 providing service from Lebanon to the U.S. Apparently, on the previous flight, a passenger had a large hemorrhage and more. Quite a bizarre experience for the crew and passenger and his cats. Uh, the link is here and possibly a good bloody show title. <laughs> oh, gosh. And so this is from CNN. And uh, Nick, I would like you to um, uh, proceed with this um, uh, bloody article. <laughs> you actually want me to read this out? If you want, or you can summarize it. Uh, you however, editorialize. Or editorialize. Right, well, I'll, I'll see how it goes. Okay. Uh, Pondering on the cleanliness of airplanes is not something most of us like to think about. But while you might think of your neighbor using a sick bag as bad as it gets, one man was confronted by bodily fluids of a different kind. When he found his feet on an aircraft carpet still wet with a previous passenger's blood and diarrhea. So he noticed a strange (laughs) smell coming from the footwell under his and his wife's seat shortly after takeoff. It smelled like manure. Well, I've smelt manure and oh, you know, I'm sure manure smells better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was probably worse than that. Yeah. So, yeah, indeed, they had their cats um, and they were thinking, oh, God, they've had an accident. I'll be so embarrassed. But no, it turned out to be somebody else's problem. Mm. Well, not their problem, but they were the cause Evidence uh, and he went problem. down on his hands and knees to look and his cats were fine but pardon me then he noticed this wet stain sorry anyway it it he 
It smell. It smells like mad. <laughs> Go put it on. Uh, put it on there, Liz. Yeah. Hello. There we go. Oh, yeah. well done. Yeah, that was. Uh, and um, he started wiping at it with wet wipes, um, and uh, it was all red and horrible, and kept kept <laughs> coming up. Um, and after a while, one of the flight attendants said, "You better go wash your hands." And here are some gloves. I'm a bit surprised, but then again, this is it was France, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so the mm. the cabin crew didn't go. Oh, you poor passenger! Move out of this seat. Go and take a nice seat in upper class, while we attend to this. But no, they didn't. They left him to it. Mm. With just gave him some gloves and some more wipes, <laughs> so he could clean up somebody else's bloody pooey mess. Anyway, um, he he carried on, and it turned out that uh, it was human blood because. Uh, they um, they asked him to uh, make sure that you know he d didn't have any after effects after cleaning up their damned airplane for them. Um, so uh, that was that was basically it. Uh, it says that only one flight attendant seemed angry on this poor passenger's behalf. Um, he was apologising, but the others. <laughs> sucks for you uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't react uh it's also a threat to the flight crew well of course it is yeah having nasty bodily fluids spilled all over your aircraft no no one would want that and he asked what's your protocol for this but they they said nothing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there is none. <laughs> oh so that would be the situation, I'm afraid. Poor chap. So um, he said it was a long flight, and they were offered two small bottles of Evian water as recompense. <laughs> what, no champagne? <laughs> this is their France. No, I have no <laughs> champagne on board. Anyway, they were given a couple of blankets to put on the floor with powdered so why the cabin crew weren't doing this i'm still amazed and the flight apparently was full so they couldn't be moved and they had to mm. sit there smelling the blood for the next seven yeah. hours oh, uh, right. i think that's enough he'd Thank taken you, his socks off at the start of the flight this is a very good reason why don't take and i know off. your feet tend to <laughs> swell a bit on a long-haul flight but really think twice before taking your shoes off just wear comfortable shoes that mm -hmm. aren't going to get tight because the number of people you see paddling off to the lose Ooh, in their socks yuck. or in this case or bare feet even. walking so oh. <laughs> bare feet oh. yes i know because mm -hmm. um, particularly on an airplane where the, the loos are in constant use and there's often a bit of turbulence around so not everyone is very good with their aim when mm. they're standing up being bounced around inside a loo uh anyway, yeah, that's not really water on the floor that you're stepping in <laughs> exactly. most likely yeah, I think we've got the the general. Thank idea you, Tim, for that. Was, yeah, thanks uh, so much, Tim, for uh, for sending that <laughs> yeah. in. That was really just beautiful. Yeah, appreciate that. This, this lovely chap said he he he's a journalist. He'd been covering Beirut for twenty years. I've lived through wars, airstrikes, seen assassinations, car bombs, and narrowly survived the port explosion. I thought I'd seen it all, but there you go. Now he has. Yeah, now we have. All right. Uh, Liz, do you have a uh, photo for uh, seven uh, that you can put up 
uh, while I play some audio? I do not. I'm sorry. You do not? I okay. I do not. That's okay. Uh, I don't know why, but I thought there I was, was going video, to. There was a video, so I didn't look for Yeah, it. but I don't want to play the video. That's okay. I can do this. Okay. I can uh, present uh, this uh, photo from... Uh, preview and uh, oh, I do have a photo. I'm sorry, I do. Oh, you do. I do. I do. Okay, there it is. There we go. Thanks. Thought I had one in there. All <gasps> right. Um, so let me play. This is item number seven. Uh, this is uh, he sent a video, but this is uh, just the audio from it. Uh, less uh, the truck driver, the truck driver, and uh, who has a son uh, who flies for Acme, uh, first officer on the. Uh, 3.30. So let's listen to the audio associated with this. It's not gonna, it's not gonna, it's not. Oh, it did. Oh my God. Oh my Lord. I knew that was gonna happen. Why didn't you tell anybody? It hit the other room. Let me rush up. I knew it was gonna happen. It looked like it. Yeah, it hit the other plane. No way! Way? Way. <laughs> what's going on? Uh, an airplane is hitting another airplane. That's what's going on. Okay, there we go. That was the uh, audio from the video, and uh, it, you're probably looking at your podcast player right now and seeing uh, the wing of... What was this other jet? I'm trying to remember uh, what happened here, but it was not a... It was another airline hitting a uh, left wingtip going by a parked uh, Delta aircraft and hitting the uh, the back end, the tail, uh, the tail cone of this particular looks jet. It's like a regional plane, I would say. It's I don't know. It looks like small. it's bigger than a regional jet because um, okay. that airplane that it's hitting, I think, is kind of tall. But I don't know. I could be okay. wrong. All right. um, but anyway, we'll have a link to this video in the in the show notes. It really doesn't matter, does it, what uh, oh. what airline it was. But I just thought it was cute that the uh, kids were looking out going, I don't think, I don't know. Oh, oh no. Nope. I knew it. it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you do, you do wonder, right? wonder where his nose was relative to the satellite of the taxiway. Was mm. he... Um, Freewheeling, or was he sticking closely to the guides? Yeah, or could be maybe that was an area of the uh, ramp that didn't have any lines, and it was just kind of thinking that it looks clear there. to me. I never went there. If it didn't have a line, nope, not going there. All right, well, then you'd be stuck in <laughs> a lot of places that I fly. All right, um, let's continue Send me on. Send a Yeah. Let's continue on with Sean. Uh, he sent this in. Good evening. My, Sean well, the Sheep? Uh, Sean Hawk. Is that what okay. Hawk stands for? H-O-C-H? Yeah. Hawk or Hawk. Um, oh, yeah. My name is Sean, a former U.S. Navy MH-60S uh, Nighthawk Navy, driver. huh? Okay. Yeah, right. currently, and a, and a helicopter. Oh, can you Explains just hang on all. a second, Jeff? Just hang sure. on. Okay. Micah says it was Boston and it was a jet blue. There we go. Uh, this um, main man, Micah, in our live audience said that that previous incident uh, was in Boston and it was a jet blue flight. And that makes that makes sense because the uh, wingtip did have a bright blue Thanks, Micah. color. Thanks, Micah, uh, for uh, informing us. So there you go. Now, now we can move on. Um, I believe uh, the MH-60 Nighthawk um, is a helicopter. So not only is he a former Navy guy, Nick, he was also a helicopter driver. 
I don't uh, think it can get any worse than that, can it? I, in your mind, no. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, unless he was, maybe he was a balloonist. That could be worse. Oh, perhaps he did that in it for a hobby in his spare time. <laughs> We're just kidding, Sean. Uh, currently a captain at one of Acme's regional carriers, flying CRJs out of Detroit. Longtime listener, few and far between poster. I heard the commentary about pilots and pause and figured I'd share my experience with the website. I made the jump from the Navy to airline flying in 2019, and given that the Navy, given that us Navy folk all start in fixed wing aircraft, uh, training aircraft, my long pole in my training tent was the restricted ATP requirement for 250 fixed wing PIC, pilot in command time. My airline gave us helicopter bubbas, oh, gave us helicopter bubbas. A significant training reimbursement. Uh, in other words, Ooh, signing nice. over two years our lives in exchange for uh, two years of our lives in exchange for, at that time, roughly twenty thousand twenty seven thousand five hundred U.S. dollars. That's a lot of money to get our ratings and experience. The two years Ooh. sure went fast. Is that so they could get rid of you quicker. I don't know. Yeah. The two years sure went sorry, fast sorry, and slow. Sorry, Thanks. I'm only joking, honestly. Yeah, I, he's not joking. Uh, the two years <laughs> sure went fast and slow. Thanks, COVID. But I digress. In an effort, I'm, I'm just butchering this. Sorry, Sean. Um, in an effort <laughs> to keep feedback, as much sure. of that money in my pocket, I did the majority of my fixed wing time building in Part 61 flying clubs. Over here we have Part 61, Part 141. Part 61 is kind of the... Uh, I don't know, a little bit here and there, um, not a formal flying school kind of an operation like Part 141. I scanned my club bylaws and didn't see any restrictions about carrying pets. So I utilized their four GA aircraft to transport dogs, not at all, all at the same time. Using, oh, um, no, I've completely changed my opinion. He now. loves Sean Oh, now. brilliant. Well done, Sean. Okay, using okay. pilots and You're paws. forgiven. All that other stuff <laughs> you did. Further, I restricted my volunteerism to when either the sender or recipient was a 501c3 nonprofit and asked for a copy of their documentation verifying as such. The benefit here is that I was able to write off my airplane rental costs as a tax-deductible donation. Oh, man, oh, that Lord. is That's a very smart. Very wow, very he's smart. Wow. Very, you very... should have joined the Air Force with a brain like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unused talent there. Uh, my flying club <laughs> didn't let me fly for hire commercially, but I was not restricted from renting the plane myself and conducting volunteer work. As such, I figure I was able to recoup maybe 15 to 20% of my rental and fuel costs. Cool. Depending Very on how cool. you do the tax math while I was conducting dog moves in and around the Midwest as part of my time building for the airlines. Keep up the great work, and I hope to contribute more to the community in the future as I look forward to major legacy airlines and help others blaze the same path behind me. Clear skies. Uh, regards, Sean. I, I hope this experience hasn't put you off, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, we just lost another listener. Yeah, uh, I know. Sorry. Sorry, sorry Sean. Sean. No, we no, I'm joking. It's yeah. brilliant. I, I, I know a couple of other listeners, including Hillel, who does this kind of work. I think it's fantastic. Jeff, you're just coming up to one hour, 15 minutes. So if you want to wrap it up or Did you I want to do another wrong? 15. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Liz, the control room was talking to me, telling me that I kind of told her that I wanted to kind of start wrapping things up about the 115 mark. Yep, you're right and there. And we're right there. So um, I'll tell you what, let me do... Uh, 
let me do this next one, 11, Liz. Yep, sure. And then we'll go ahead and wrap, wrap it, it up, up. Okay, and okay. Uh, save all the other great pieces of feedback that we have yeah, and, and even not, not so great ones uh, for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding. They're all great. Um, so this was sent in to us from Captain Jure, I think, J-U-R. Um, greetings, Captain Jeff, Captain Nick, and crew reporting in from Low Country, the Low Countries, uh, Amsterdam. Landing oh, elevation can you go? minus 12. About that low, minus 12 yeah. feet. Uh, I'm an ab initio to the APG podcast. I didn't even know we had an ab initio program. <laughs> no, none of us did. That's very good. Uh, uh, let's see. So he's an ab initio to the APG podcast, having stumbled upon your grand epic, and I'm an I instant so. fan. Thank you. I think that's a good thing. Uh, your soothing voices slinging great aviation stories into the ether. <laughs> into with, the mire. <laughs> <laughs> with deep knowledge and humor. Okay, well, I'm not sure about the deep knowledge, but the humor for sure. Uh, well, keeps me coming best. back. Yeah. As far as you know, this stuff is actually true, what we're saying. Yeah. Uh, working back through the episode flight bag, I was very happy to find the segment about the KLM ads from the 90s in Podcast 575. They are iconic indeed, and they kept me inspired and with my nose in the books when I was studying for my ATPL theory during my ab initio flight training. I even had a KLM Swan poster up on my wall on the campus. I, I don't know what that is. Uh, oh, well, they you don't remember those, a... those ads? Uh, they show the swans flying and taking off. And like, oh, you weren't time. on that show. Oh. Okay. We, we had some KLM ads uh, that uh, – oh, you know what? We should probably – See if I can uh, find those and see if they're still there. Five I think. Seven, uh, I think I must have deleted those. Oh well, I was going to play them again. But um, anyway, yeah. uh, you can look up uh, Captain Nick. Go back to episode five seventy five and I shall see I shall the KLM ads. They're uh, really good. The, Tim Van Ram sent them in. Uh, those are good pieces that wasn't of feedback. Disgusting. That's probably that why not one. disgusting feedback. Anyway, so they, they showed the swans taking off and landing. It was like they were pretending they were airplanes. It was really cool. So that's why uh, Jour has the KLM swan poster up on his wall when he was at in training. Uh, in the end, it was not in vain as I navigated the treacherous low hours flight path via the illustrious Fokker 70, Fokker, excuse me, 70 slash 100. To the left seat of Captain Nick's previous ride, the A330, a marvelous machine. Keep up the excellent work in Blaubofen. Well, same to you. Met Vladimir Vlieger Groet with warm regards, Captain. Where's Masha? Where's yeah, Masha. Masha. How did I do? You've just insulted most I of I probably them, did. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I apologize for. Uh, my yeah. improper pronunciation of the uh, all the people in the Netherlands. Yes, I've just yeah. had a quick uh, scan through YouTube and found that video of the swan landing and all the airplane noises. Yeah, fantastic. Isn't that cool. Love, love all right, it. he says. P.S. Please find included some pictures from the old box and a relieved man after an early blizzard landing at Schiphol. And uh, so that was his old man. I don't think that's is him. That him. Is that him? I, th I think that his is his, that Captain Jure? No, that's he said Captain Jure. That's Captain Jure. Oh, that's Captain Yeah, Jure. but okay. I don't. Let's see. Did he say who that guy was in the? No, let's see. Some say, just, from the old box. 
And yeah, it would be really know. nice if it was his dad. Or something. I was wondering. Well, we're just going to cool. say that it is his father. Um, so <laughs> oh, that's nice. So, from now Masha on, just, that's your father. Oh, Masha, Masha says, just translated. Masha translated blau blau boven blue side up. Oh, cool. Thank you, Masha. Excellent. All like right. It. Um, so there you have it. Thank you very much, uh, Captain Jure. I'm glad that you're uh, part of our community now, and we expect Brilliant. much, much more from you in the future. We'd love to hear yeah, from you. Yeah, indeed. we'd love to hear from you. So more stories. I'm sure you've got a bunch. I'd love to hear more stories about your old box. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> With that, we're going to go ahead and uh, close this show out, wrap it up, uh, as we like to say. And uh, the first thing we'd like to do is appoint you over to the uh, the podcast, not the podcast, the uh, website. website. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to do something fancy, which is probably a huge mistake. I'm going to uh, share my <laughs> something screen. Something new you haven't tried before. Uh, well, I always can't believe it, Jeff. I always do uh, new things, uh, but I think I've done this before. If you can uh, activate that, uh, Liz, uh, in the, uh, I got it. There we go. Okay, yep, sorry, There's our website there, and uh, you'll see uh, that shows the latest episodes and uh, some other information here, uh, like we uh, have the APG on YouTube, APG Crew, Plain Tales, APG Library. Thank you, Tiffany. Uh, Coffee Fund information, APG Store for some merch. And uh, let's see what happens if I press that. Uh, there we go. Airline Pilot Guy Show official merch. We need to probably take a look at that. I haven't really done anything with that in a while. A way to contact us there and uh, also the APG calendar. And I apologize, we haven't been very good about keeping up with uh, posting when our, our live shows are going to occur and other items that might be of interest uh, in the APG community in general. But if you, hey, if you have anything that you want us to put on the APG calendar, um, just send us some feedback. Um, yeah, if they're having some meetups out in APG. Yeah, oh, yeah. If you're having some, dinner. Can you put that well, on? Well, no, 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 not that. Uh, that is <laughs> not what I'm talking about, Nick. Um, and uh, Liz, he doesn't have access to that calendar, does he? Um, <laughs> no, 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 we'll make sure he doesn't. Okay. If, um, I, if I put all my bowling matches up there, it would fill it up completely. Okay. Uh, disregard uh, sending any um, thing that you want posted <laughs> on the community calendar. But uh, yeah, if you have any meetups, yeah. we talked about the fact that if you're if you want to do your own a aviation podcast meetup or APG community meetup or oh, whatever golly, you want yes, to call it, please we can put it on the calendar and uh, promote it for you if you'd like. And uh, who knows, maybe even one of these days, uh, one or more of us will just show up un, un, um, yeah, unannounced. unannounced. Yeah. All right. So that's enough social about the uh, website, the social meds, uh, and Captain Nick is going to tell you all about them and it, he's going to do it so well, so much better than stuff does. Oh yeah, for certain. <laughs> I mean, on Meta, which is uh, Facebook with another name, uh, just search for airline pilot guy and you'll find our page. And, um, certainly Steph and myself are on there, uh, as well, uh, in, uh, Twitter, which is now X, I don't know, the, the uh, icon has changed on the app. It's just That's an X. So, yeah, it's Twitter for it, but with another name. Mm -hmm. um, Zata. Uh, anyway, at APG Crew is our handle there. And that's very similar to the one on the Instas, which hasn't changed its name. That's uh, APG Crew. You don't need the at on Insta, apparently. Hmm. 
Yeah, it probably works. And of course, we have the uh, quasi social med um, yeah. Slack that Hillel uh, manages. Uh, hey, Hillel, can you tell us about Slack? I had to get that in before he said he was dripping wet. All right. Come on. Oh, what? You people didn't know that he's really not here? Come on. (laughs) Okay. Come on over here, Hillel, and tell us all about Slack. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Can you get me a roll of toilet paper? I'm right on it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Hold your okay. nose, Jeff. Hold yeah, I know. Does it's it smell worse. like manure? Yeah, it smells like manure. <laughs> <laughs> worse than being a passenger. <laughs> just hope there's no blood associated with any. Anyway. Let's uh, uh, not go there. Yeah, okay. Well, I just did. Sorry. Um, and, yeah. Uh, let's see. Liz is coming on over. Come on in, girl. We'd like to thank uh, Liz for all of her work, at least half of the show. Yeah, don't blame me for that first half. That first half, yeah, she uh, she has no uh, blame or whatever. No, no, no responsibility. No responsibility. Thank you. That's the word. That I was, was good. For. You guys did well. I really miss that part of Liz being here because she always puts these words that I'm trying to come up with in my head and... Uh, Usually I wish I was given that job because you'd be saying some very strange things. Yeah, well, I don't want you to have that job. And uh, anyway, so anything else uh, left to say before we move on? Hopefully, uh, yeah. hopefully we're going to get back into a little more regular rhythm. We've been sort of out of yeah. uh, out of rhythm of July, but lots of good holidays going on and stuff. But yeah, don't all forget done. a plain tale on the next show. Yes, oh, another volume great. of the. RAF Form 414. I look, I so look forward to those. And with that, wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, and talents. Blaubloben. Douglas and Blaubloben. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, Jeff out. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> See you next time. Yeah, he's up in the sky. Good day. I used to be such a good, good pilot. Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline pilot guy I fly America Airline pilot guy He can't land in heavy fall I got no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time
I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, not a guy I fly, oh, man, oh, airline 